what's on your mind? How can I how can I help you? I have. I'm sorry. I'm a little bit nervous. Um, yeah, I guess I just wanted to get some guidance or some insight. I know you've helped a lot of people. Um, I've listened to you for quite a few years now. I've had issues with healthy functioning relationships, I believe, stem from childhood trauma. Um, I'm currently undergoing uh, psychotherapy regarding um, a sexual assault that happened late last year. Um, I'm 28 uh, and I understand you have discussed sexual market value in the past. Um, but I have concerns if I was to even now start a family, the generational trauma carried through DNA and unhealed issues, how that would affect any children um, that I that I would have. I did listen to you the other day, uh, Andrew, sorry, Anthony Johnson and yourself were talking about epistemology D. You talked about gaslighting and that having an effect on being able to process reality. If someone has been successful in attacking that, you can never love, trust, or feel you've deserved or feel you deserve anything good. Um, I sometimes wonder how affected I am by this. Uh, you also said that if you learn from getting through somebody taking that or attacking that off of the, sorry, the epistemology, um, nothing will ever get between you and that. Nothing will get between you and your own epistemology again. Um, I feel that I, yeah, I feel that it's made me become naive and easily manipulated. Um, so there's a few things there. I'm sorry, Steph, I'm quite No, quite no, I'm, I'm listening. No, no problem. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so I do worry that I can be naive uh, and trusting of the wrong things, yet distrusting of, you know, healthy things, healthy relationships. So, um, yeah, I do struggle. I find I do struggle with disassociation. Sometimes I'll have an overwhelming feeling of reality just hitting me in the face. Um, and I also overthink things to the point they might become irrational or delusional um, thoughts that yeah, manifest into further dysfunction within my relationships. Right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, so I appreciate that. Um, I do want to talk about the history thing. The first thing that comes to mind, though, is that you still seem pretty pretty harsh on yourself. You say you're naive and easily manipulated, and I don't believe that that's the case. What I do think, though, is that you had survival mechanisms as a child that were required for survival. And because you're changing your environment now, I mean, you know, if, if you just stay in brutal, destructive environments, then your childhood survival mechanisms continue to work well. But... If you're aiming for something higher and something better, then those survival mechanisms don't help anymore. They, they hinder you, right? So I don't think that there's anything like, oh, just naive and, and easily manipulated. It's like, well, no, your boundaries were violated when you were a child and your 
person, your thoughts, your physicality was all violated as a child. And as a child, you have no defense. You have to surrender. You have to surrender because you have no power, you have no strength, no legal independence or anything like that. And your brain, of course, is still very young. So rather than saying, I mean, it's just an invitation, right, to sort of reframe things rather than saying, well, I'm naive and easily manipulated, I just say, um, some people exploit the survival mechanisms I was forced to adopt as a child. Like some people exploit the survival mechanisms I was forced to adopt as a child, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what happened in your child? I mean, I do want to talk about what happened last year, but what happened in your childhood that you think had the most effect on you? <clears throat> Um, I, I guess the timeline just stems, um, quite a long sort of distance. I, I, yeah, don't really know where to start. Um, yeah, my mother and father, they were together for, um, 10 years. Uh, they were married for, I guess, three months after that. And, um, I guess things turned sort of quite violent, um, between the two of them. Um, my younger sorry, brother they, was they were together oh, for 10 years yeah. they got married and then split up three months after that yeah yeah oh yeah. so the marriage was probably like a, a desperate attempt to save the relationship that failed right right yeah I think oh, so um <clears throat> my father always uh worked away on oil rigs um so I guess growing up um in the early years it was more our mother that was around um my parents, after the divorce, my mother, she walked out on um, my brothers and my father. Um, yeah, I think she just went on some weird sort of, I don't know, drug or alcohol sort of craze, I guess. And um, yeah, not long after that, my younger brother, he was diagnosed with um, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So um, yeah, my father sort of struggled um, to, I guess, get us all through that. Um, but sorry, uh, your, your father was away working on oil rigs. Your mother went on a bender. I don't know if they call it a bender. Uh, I assume for quite some time. So who was taking care of your kids? And, and how old was yeah. you at this point? Uh, so I was seven. My younger brother would have been five and my older brother was nine. Um, so when that happened, my father... So sold our family home and moved us up to um just some other place we don't need geography. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So um I guess in the earlier years we had nannies. Um yeah, so my father would be away working and we would have nannies taking care of us. Um so I guess if you sort of fast forward a couple of years, uh my brother, he was in remission for leukemia, so he ended up going, my father ended up sending him back to my mother. Um, he thought, I guess, she seemed a little bit more stable. Um, so my little brother was there for a couple of years there. After that, I was sent to live with her as well, um, as he'd sort of found another partner and I didn't get along with uh, my stepsisters. So, um, yeah, I, I lived with my mother. Um, from the ages of 11 to about 15. Um, and was she, she, sorry to interrupt, was she more stable? Yeah. Had she gone through any kind of rehab no. or, or therapy? Mm. or None at all. No, she, um, yeah, growing up we had, um, 
she would have all these men around. They were always in, you know, bikey clubs or quite violent. Um, yeah, honestly, the different stories I guess I could tell you from that are just crazy. Um, she was with uh, a man that uh, went to jail for murder. He um, bludgeoned a lady to death um, and buried her under a barbecue. Um, yeah, so she was found. My mother was engaging with these sorts of people and um, yeah, actively seeking these sorts of people out. So growing up, we had don't they, these don't sorts they, of men. Don't they stay in jail? I mean, how, how was he out? <laughs> yeah, so she, um, she would actively visit him and write to him um, in jail. Like she had a relationship with this man while he was in jail and um, yeah, so that was quite weird. Um, did he get out of jail at some point or? I believe he's out now. Um, yeah, but she was sort of, you know, having um, like physical visits and like she had an ongoing relationship with this man for quite some time. Um, yeah, always alcohol-fueled, so she would always be um, – you know, drunk on alcohol in primary school, she would she would leave the pub and stand outside, you know, my school door drunk, picking me up early from um, from school so we could hang out, I guess. So um, that was always quite embarrassing, you know, having that parent, um, you know, in, in primary school. And I guess growing up, I felt a big part of my life. I was um, more the parent than my mother was uh, a parent to me. Um, well, except a parent without any legal authority or income or independence or ability to sign contracts. So, I mean, children yeah. can't, you can't be a parent. I mean, I know what you mean by being like a, uh, a caretaker of some kind or another, but you can't actually, I mean, you can't actually be a parent as, as a child any more than a, you know, child, any more than a parent can, can be an actual child. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and was she, was there? I assume that there was. If she's with these, uh, I guess low lives might be a phrase that that would fit. Uh, if she was with these dangerous guys, and you know the the alcohol and the violence thing are kind of hand in hand. Like I think South Africa banned alcohol for a little while last year, and the murder rates dropped like thirty percent. And half the people who mm -hmm. are killed are drunk, and half the people who kill others are drunk. I mean, alcohol and violence are really joined at the hip. And uh, if she's drinking yeah. a lot, other people are drinking a lot, and these are not people who have a lot of impulse control. I assume that there was a fair amount of violence in the in the house. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. We did witness a lot of a lot of violence, um, and yeah, it was pretty crazy. I I guess I speak to um, you know my counselor now regarding some things, and um, yeah, just realizing just how. I guess, serious the events were that happened. Um, yeah. I mean, you lived a good portion of your childhood under the threat of abuse, violence, and possibly death, right? Yeah. yeah. And some of that would be conscious, right? Like some of that might be, you know, you, you piss off one of your mom's crazed boyfriends and he just wheels off and hits you. He may not intend to kill you, you know, uh, but but he hits you. Others could be, you know, I don't know, they take you out for a car ride and one of them's drunk and you don't know if you're going to make it back alive and just that general chaos, right? Or, you know, your your tooth is sore, but nobody's organized enough to take you to a dentist and, and or anything like that. And um, 
Wow, it's an amazing thing that your brother survived if he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> my little brother, yeah, I look up to him. Um, you know, not only going through the leukemia, but uh, yeah, the things that you know he got, he had to put up with. You know, not not just myself and my older brother um, going through that, but for my little brother to you know go through leukemia at such a young age and to come out of that, the man he is today, it just makes me very proud of him. Yeah. And did your father know of all of this chaos and yeah. potential bloodshed in your mom's environment? I'm not sure if he knew to the extent, but, um, yeah, I think he was sort of quite content with the life he'd, um, you know, picked up with his new wife and, um, you know, my stepsisters. So I think he was, I don't know, more or less happy to, to move on into. Um, you know, start a fresh life, a more sort of idyllic life um, with with his instant family, yeah. Right, right. So I'm going to – let me just say something here to make sure I don't forget because yeah. I always have these great ideas yeah. and then later I, <laughs> I'm going to forget to mention them. So with trauma comes freedom and we right. focus – and, you know, that's not unfair, right, but we focus on the trauma – we focus on the trauma and that's important. It's important because, you know, we were, we were hurt and, and abused and neglected and so on. But with trauma comes enormous freedom because it sounds to me like you were just an inconvenience for people who were incredibly selfish and they just threw you in places where you basically, well, they couldn't just abandon you because that would break the law. So they just didn't seem to care about your well-being, your emotional, physical, spiritual needs. And that's really traumatic, of course, a very dangerous thing to go through as a child. But the great liberty of all of that, the great freedom of that, is that you don't have to care about them at all. You know, you, you, you pay back in the coin you were paid. And if the coin you were paid in uh, from your family of origin is, well, we don't care about you at all, then there's a great liberation about that. Now, the, the, the liberation thing kind of comes a little later in life sometimes. Like I know people who've spent, you know, 10 years or more caring for elderly relatives because they care about those elderly relatives. And I respect that. I think it's a wonderful thing. You know, if you have a great mom and dad and when you're young and then they get sick or, or start to lose their minds when they get old, I think as long as you can handle it uh, in, in a reasonable manner, then taking care of them is, is a pretty good thing to do because you're kind of repaying coin for coin, right? They gave you gold, you give them back gold. But if somebody mm -hmm. gives you a, what they used to call a slug, which was like a fake coin you'd put into a vending machine to get something for free, then, you know, they can't ask for gold in return. I mean, I guess they can. They always do. They say, I gave you gold. It's like, no, no, you gave me, you gave me garbage. You gave me nothing, right? And so for me, at least, you know, knowing that my, you know, my, I don't know how long my father was ill, um, before he died, uh, my mother certainly needs outside help, I'm sure, at this time, and maybe other family members are giving to her. I'm sure she's getting it from somewhere, maybe the government. But there's a great uh, freedom, and focusing on the trauma alone just makes it feel like nothing but a loss. But focusing on the freedom is something that it doesn't make the wound okay, but it makes it uh, something that uh, gives you a superpower as well. Right. I mean, 
you know, there's this old story from Marvel movies and stuff. Like somebody gets an injury and it gives them a superpower. Like, you know, the the the, the, the spider bites the guy, Peter Parker, I think his name is, and he gets Spider-Man powers, right? And so the wound kind of gives you superpowers. And the one thing that I think important to remember is that, you know, when you're hurt as a child, it does give you a wound, but the wound also gives you a superpower, which is you don't have to care about the people. In fact, I think it's entirely destructive to care about the people who hurt you. And I think focusing on the freedom that that gives you to be your own person, to, in a sense, reinvent yourself and to not be bound up by the past, which most people are. And sometimes it's a good thing and uh, sometimes it's a bad thing. But I just, I'm just going to, I just wanted to mention this before I forgot it because it seemed important, or at least I think it's important, is that we feel like we're just, we're just a wound and we forget about the fact that the wound lets us, gives us superpowers that other people don't have. And again, it doesn't make the wound or the wounding okay, but it is a side effect that's probably a good thing. And that's sort of what I've been reminding people a long time that you don't owe uh, moral obligations to people who've abused you. And the superpower is really, really important. It really does show up a little bit later in life more vividly. But uh, it's kind of there the whole time, if you want it. Hmm. Thank you. Okay, so the hellscape continues. You said you were with your mom from 11 to 15, and and what happened then? Yeah, uh, I guess things progressively uh, got worse uh, with her drinking um, and abuse. She would I guess sit there, um, you know, sometimes just drunk and look at me. And if I, I guess, looked at her in the wrong way, then things would turn into a physical altercation. Um, she would, yeah, more or less attack me. Um, so I guess that resulted in her um, kicking me out of home, uh, probably a bit younger than 15 years old. Well, so, and sorry, just just interrupt us again. Sorry again, but it's an important. Do you know why she attacked you? If you looked at her funny, um, it was just the alcohol. Um, like she would just get really funny on alcohol. I'm not sure if it was a paranoia thing or maybe she realized, you know, I was looking at her in disgust that I can't believe, you know, like just looking at her in. Um, you know, pity or disgust that that's how, you know, she wanted to live her life. And, um, you know, maybe I I can't really speak for her, but I can only assume that, you know, maybe she felt some sort of guilt or, um, yeah, I don't know if she was triggered by the way um, – Yeah, I, I don't know stuff. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, so I think the general etiology of this is that your mother was hated when she was a child. And her entire adult life was managing that hatred, which she had internalized as hatred of herself, right? So when you're hated as a child, the way that you survive is to hate yourself so that you prevent yourself from doing whatever actions was triggering the violence that the hatred manifests at. So. Uh, you know, if if you, uh, for a lot of times, if you have really brutal people raising you, then having your own opinion that, that goes against what they want uh, means that you will get physically attacked. And, and again, as a kid, you don't know if that's going to be all the way to to killing. You know, we evolved, we evolved as a species in a situation of infanticide, 
right? So uh, I, I talked about this when I did my tour of Australia back in 2018, that like up to half of the babies would be killed. And this, you know, there was Aztec gods that demanded child sacrifice. Uh, even now in India, about 15 million girls, female babies are, are murdered every, every year. Uh, this happened, of course, in China under the one-child policy. And uh, so we, you know, the Holocaust of infants is the entirety of human history. It's, it's very new and very rare that children aren't just, or babies aren't just randomly killed for whatever, right, whatever reason. And so that makes babies incredibly compliant and conformist to parental needs, to parental pleasures, because throughout most of human history, your life was literally hanging by a thread. And when you are, you know, you see this in, in gulags and concentration camps and long-term violent prison facilities that the, the prisoners get that, that, that hangdog look, they stare in, shuffling along, staring at the ground, they, they won't say anything negative to the guards, they'll, you know, and, and that's just what happens when you're under a state of constant threat. And human babies are us, you know, the way we evolved was just, you know, killing babies was like the thing. I mean, my God, I mean, uh, even famous philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau took, what, four or five of his kids and put them in an orphanage where they almost certainly died uh, because he just didn't want to be bothered. And so babies, you know, our, our lives were hanging by a thread and it's literally could form or die. I mean, this is where political power comes from, this is where abuse comes from, is that this is the way we evolved. In other words, the babies who didn't massively please their parents in some manner would just die. And and we have that hardwired into us that to defy or disobey or anger or upset or humiliate or provide some major negative experience or even a minor negative experience to parents is to die. Hmm. So your mother grew up hated, I'm sure, and she internalized that hatred and her entire adult life was trying to manage and deal with that self-hatred. Uh, and she yeah. did it through... Um, well, obviously confirming it, letting it run her life, but also she'd fight back at it in a way by trying to drink it or drug it out of existence, right? This this self-loathing, this desire to destroy herself. And I assume that she was attracted to murderers because she hoped they would kill her. Uh, or she was attracted to violent people because she hoped that uh, they would uh, kill her or whatever. And so she took the violent and horrible parenting that she was exposed to as a child and she recreated it in the criminal element she recreated it in the drug addiction so that she wasn't in control and so when if you would look at her in some manner that was skeptical or hostile or with disgust then you would be siding with her parents and you'd be siding with her self-hatred that she'd internalized and so she would attack you as a response, now, she couldn't attack her parents. She couldn't attack the big, brutal guys she was with, although she probably sometimes tried to when they were both drunk. Yeah. But she couldn't do much damage to them relative to their physical size and strength. And so, but she could attack you because you were a child. And so yeah. all of that frustrated anger at her own abusive parents, her own abusive partners, her own abusive self would come out in that, you know, if she could drink her self-hatred into oblivion, then she could feel okay for a little bit. And if she could... Uh, brutalize you if you looked at her skeptically, thus rousing her self-hatred, her conscience buried deep within, then yeah, she's going to attack you. And that's another dirty secret. And not, the secret is dirty, not that we're dirty, but it's a dirty secret that the moment you try and bring any kind of judgment or ethics or morality or in particular responsibility 
to abusive people, they will attack you. And historically, that would usually mean uh, kill you because historically, and I don't mean sort of recent history, but evolutionarily speaking, it was never a crime to kill a baby. Uh, in fact, uh, sometimes it was demanded by ritual. So mm-hmm. never, never to kill an offspring was... And this is the funny thing, you know, I mean, the feminists are complaining about the bad treatment of women throughout history, and I can certainly understand where they're coming from in some areas and in some cultures, but uh, infanticide was like all over the place and uh, was only very recently even remotely considered a crime. But you couldn't kill an adult female uh, without repercussions in certainly Western societies for thousands of years. But So, yeah, I just sort of wanted to, to point that out, that the moment you look at her, uh, you arouse her self-hatred, her conscience. Uh, she experiences a negative emotion, and all she does when she is experiencing a negative emotion is she either complies with the brute if he's bigger, she drugs her feelings if they're within her, or she attacks someone if they're weaker. Hmm. Yeah. And I would assume that at this point she was basically just a machine, not a, a person with any kind of real free will or, or choice that's but, that's correct yeah uh, which doesn't mean she's got no responsibility in the matter but by the time you knew her she was i would to uh, i would assume almost certainly beyond any kind of rational recovery okay so so sorry 15 she's she where, where did she put you yeah so um just if i rewind back at 11 um she uh, got me like drunk on alcohol for the first time and um, you know gave me a, a joint of, of marijuana so um, at that age I was sort of um, you know experiencing things that you know I guess uh, if I were to ever have a child that would never ever ever happen um, so just fast forward to sorry back to 15 I um 14 15 I was kicked out of home um, my older brother, he was sort of 16, 17, he came with me. Um, so I'd, I'd left school at that age um, and we lived in a tent for a little while. Um, yeah, I put myself through uh, like a, I guess, a pre-apprenticeship in a trade. Wait, so um, sorry, you were basically homeless at this point, right? Yeah, we lived in a tent um, in a caravan park. Um, for so lots of people few. knew that there were a bunch of kids in a tent, right? Did anyone do anything or help mm. about? No, not, not, no, no. Did they invite you in for meals at least? Did they maybe give you a little money or? Not that I remember. Um, yeah, my, I remember my brother, um, breaking into a, like a school canteen and, um, you know, taking food because I was too young to get any sort of benefit. And he was, um, he just sort of started working, um, you know, just so we could, I guess, get on our feet. So, um, yeah, we had friends, um, you know, the same age as us, but yeah, we, um, I guess we didn't have anyone to, yeah. Wow. We just sort of did it on our own. Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm so sorry. And that widens the circle of liberty from your own parents and extended relatives, aunts, uncles, cousins, whatever it is, to that whole 
social environment because you were in a social environment. You weren't like camping in the middle of nowhere, right? You weren't like, nobody can find us. We are completely alone. Mm -hmm. uh, you were in, as you said, a caravan park, right? So you were in a social yeah. environment and nobody did anything. Nobody called social services. Nobody called children's aid. Nobody uh, called a social worker. Nobody, and I, you know, whether that would have been good or bad, I don't know, but that's the general thing that people do, right? I mean, a decent person, which like one phone call, right? Someone, one freaking phone call. It's not like uh, somebody's asking you to give a kidney, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, the sort of timeline of that, and I think my counsellor, she talks about it, um, is something happening with um, your fight or flight um, in your brain, your frontal cortex, I think it was. Um, if you're in, if you're in sort of, um, you know, like, if you're in flight mode all the time, it, you've, you know, you have issues retaining memories or having a timeline um, yeah, that's, the, look that's the hippocampus. That, yeah, yeah, certainly when yeah. you're in, in uh, uh, when your cortisol levels are raised, your adrenaline is pumping, then your memories, associations seem to form, but memories, specific memories are, your body, your brain kind of shields you from that. Right? Yeah, so um, there was a time that I had a fight with one of her boyfriends and um, she actually had me removed by some police um like I guess that was a bit of a betrayal. She'd pick this um, big blacky dude, you know, over over her own sort of flesh and blood, and um, yeah, I guess that resulted um, at sort of fourteen, fifteen, in me spending a night in um, in a holding cell in in the in the police station because the police weren't able to, um, you know, I was a juvenile; they weren't able to let me out into the street and I didn't have anywhere else to go. So um, I was basically told by, um, you know, somebody in the government, I'm too old to become a state of the ward, ward but I'm state, too yeah. young. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I'm too young to, um, to live independently. Um, yeah. And to sort of go off on my own. So um, I was put in touch with um, the St. John of God Youth Hostel and, um, yeah, I sort of stayed there for a little while and um, went off and rented my own house after that, not long after that. So, and what yeah, did you, always sort of... What did you use for money to rent the house with? Uh, by that stage, I was able to get um, a friend's mother to sign um, like a a form to to sort of declare that um, she would be in you know some form of guardian, which then enabled me to get um, get sort of you know some sort of benefit while I was still studying. I did um I did a pre trade course, um, so I was on you know a benefit and studying, um, and then that led me into full time employment. Um, yeah, again, the timeline is all a bit mumbled in my head, but that was sort of 15 and a half to 16 years old. Um, I was working full time by then um, in a trade. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And is is that the sort of closing of the major chapter on your, and I know we've really sprinted through the history, but is that the closing of the yeah. major chapter on your dependence on your mum? Um. 
on the in, in the way of dependence yeah yeah definitely that that obviously being ongoing drama um you know the, the sort of next few years but I chose to um you know go and live my own life um but yeah obviously my little brother still living with her there was um you know still contact and um yeah, dealing with issues associated around that contact and my little brother being at home still. Um, yeah, that that definitely maintained its its momentum. Right, right. And and uh, I guess relatively briefly, how did your mom's life play out after you sort of fifteen, sixteen for you? Yeah, um it it definitely didn't get any better. Um yeah, it sort of stayed the same um yeah she had a child late later in life so I have a younger sister now um I think if anything that might have helped in one way but it's still unfortunate I know she still drinks and you know now there's a little girl that um you know has to grow up with the same thing my brothers and I grew up with um but that's, I guess, another moral thing I struggle with is to, you know, how involved do you get with um, aiding, you know, aiding your little sister? Um, yeah, so things things definitely got worse. Um, she's had a child now, but... And how old is the child? Uh, she's four, four or five years old now. Wow. Amazing that the body can actually still produce a baby after all of that. Yes. Alcohol, stress and all that, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Yeah, she was like 42, I think, when she fell pregnant. Yeah. And is she still, I mean, did did she get most of her money from these men or or does she work or how did that play? No, she, um, I think she always just got money off of, um, I guess, you know, the whole single mother, um, you know, government handouts. Um, oh, right, right, right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And that could have been another reason why she had a kid, right? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Definitely. She. Um, She's you know, getting too old to attract yeah. men with resources, but she can still force the taxpayer to subsidize her through becoming a mom, right? Yes, right, definitely. Okay. Oof, oof. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, and and is she, she, I assume she's not with the guy who fathered the child or anything like that? No, she never was. Um, he was, again, another, um, you know, in a bikey gang. And, um, yeah, she ended up getting her name and identity changed, Um because of how much of a threat this person was. Um, so, yeah, she, I guess, again, relied on the government, the taxpayers' money to help her change her name um, and her identity and, yeah, move to a different part of the state. Um, yeah, she came into a bit of money from a late uncle of hers and bought a house for herself, which was one positive thing, I suppose, Um yeah, my little sister has no idea who her father is, and yeah. Oh, but the father was the the guy she had to flee from. That's right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. All right. And how's your life been? I guess we sort of got to 
17 or so and we got uh, 11 years and, and how has it been since then? Yeah, I um, I guess from that take on, you know, growing up, I always looked at my mother and swore that I'd never be like her and um, watching her struggle, I, um, I guess that pushed me into um, having, you know, my own independence financially and I, um, I took up a career in, um, in welding or boiler making and um, that has been um, quite good for me. Um, yeah, I was moved from, you know, the other side of the country um, with a quite a large company. They, um, they'd, you know, employed me and put me on um, at, at 21 years of age after, um, you know, quite a few years of me being in the trade. Um, so yeah, I stepped into a bit of a corporate role, um, at 21 and that was, that, that was really great for me. I think just to, again, I guess that, that whole liberating freedom to get away from, you know, all those sorts of issues and step into, um, yeah, like a, a, a decent career, um, where I had financial independence and, um, associated with, you know, more sort of positive people, um, yeah, but in the way of alcohol and those sorts of things, I, I definitely steer clear um, of, you know, of that lifestyle. So, um, yeah, I really... I'm sorry, I forgot to ask as well, when you were 11 yeah. and your mother gave you pot and alcohol, did she continue to do that? Was it more of a one-time thing? Yeah, yeah, she... Um, yeah, it just seemed the norm uh, before I'd left school um yeah, she seemed to, you know, well, like it was an okay thing for our friends to, my, more so probably my older brother um, and his friends, they would leave school on a lunch break or um, whatever and they would all go home and, you know, smoke weed. Um, my mum would be there with, you know, her friends drinking um, throughout the day and um, it was a bit of a novelty thing, I think, for, you know, um, yeah, for for us growing up was our mum was you know that she's that, the party it, girl, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. It just it always amazes me again that your friends who are over there don't go back to their parents and say, "Oh yeah, by the way, right?" And the parents are like, "Whoa, that's not good, <laughs> right?" Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, they probably did that with their own kids, but not for you, right? Right. Okay. All right. Okay. So. 21 you get into the corporate world so that means that you're more sort of project manager or or you know a desk worker rather than direct welder or what does that mean yeah so I um was moved to um yeah like yeah I um was in um business development and uh, technical sort of more of a technical type role um so I'd engage with um you know, these sorts of companies and look at their, their welding processes and how they would conduct their business and, um, you know, do things to help, um, you know, further their productivity, lower their overheads and um, run, you know, run more efficient companies. Right, right. Well, congratulations. That's very impressive. Very good. Certainly had a better career than I did when I was 21. So good for you. That's great. That's great. And then... Yeah, I um I was in that role for four years and I 
um, was approached by, I guess, quite a few companies. Um, I ended up taking another role um, in the similar industry, um, just with a little bit more money. And, um, yeah, so I relocated, I guess, two hours north of where I originally was. Um, and, yeah, I was in that role um, up until, I guess, the beginning of last year. Um, yeah, I, I sort of, I think that corporate might have been a little bit too much for me. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know if I just didn't get along with, um, you know, I guess the people a bit further up the ladder. I questioned things you know, from a moral sort of standpoint, I oh, guess yeah. some well, of the larger. Yeah, listen, listen. I mean, I'm with you there. That the further you move up, I got a whole novel about this called The God mm-hmm. of Atheists. But yeah, a lot of times, the further you move up in a business structure, uh, the worse it gets morally. I mean, that's yeah. been a, a pretty consistent experience uh, for for me. And uh, you're probably not the first or the last person to to notice that particular layer of hell that's above middle management. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess um, while COVID kicked off, I, um, yeah, I took the opportunity to, um, you know, have a bit of a gap year essentially and go out and worked on, worked on a few cattle stations and chased some sheep around. And yeah, I had a, had a great time last year and I've uh, recently stepped back into the trade um, to further um, my career in in weld inspection um, and, and the sort of more supervision type roles. Um, I much prefer the science behind welding and the, the welding standards than I think, you know, the, the more sort of corporate side um, is tempting and I guess easy, easy way out, you know, the salary and the company vehicles and, and whatnot. I, I find the brain much more stimulated you know doing the sort of technical things with the the welding side of things right right okay okay so the career is doing well congratulations um and personal life <laughs> um yeah i just throughout <coughs> my earlier teenage years i had um a boyfriends um for nearly eight years from the age of 15 and um yeah I, I don't think he had a great upbringing either and um things were quite tumultuous were you know between the two of us so um yeah I guess in a way I'd recreated um you know my mother's um you know sort of relationships there so things did get violent and um, quite bad between the two of us. Um, yeah, so that ended a couple of years ago. Um, since then I'd met a really great man. Um, but again, I think, you know, I sort of self-sabotage, you know, positive relationships might come into my life. And, um, yeah, I just sort of seemed to not do too great in you know having a sustainable um positive relationship so well sure i mean that's that's the undertow right which is our genes scan our environment and say what gives us the greatest chance to reproduce 
And given that the environment was consistent and universal for all intents and purposes during our evolution, they're just like, okay, well, so violent guys give us the best chance to reproduce, so let's have you attached to violent guys because that's who wins, right? We're in a violent environment. And, of course, they don't know that, you know, three blocks over there might be a really nice guy who's peaceful and reasonable and wonderful. So they're just like, okay, so we reproduce through violence, so let's, let's do the violent thing. Uh, and uh, it's, you know, the, the genes don't care whether it's peaceful or violent. They just care that there's more, right? They just care that they reproduce, right? I mean, the photocopier doesn't care if you're copying a manifesto or uh, you are copying uh, uh, your butt or, you know, a picture of the Mona Lisa <laughs> or anything. Just copy, 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 right? It doesn't really care uh, whatever works, right? So, yeah, it's kind of natural that you would be drawn towards that. Uh, that's, that's mm. you know, any genes that didn't do that when you were, when we were evolving just didn't make it to us, right? So, um, again, that's that's sort of beyond our, our power. We can influence it, but, uh, you know, certainly when we're young, it's it's to a large degree beyond our power to uh, adjust that too much. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I, I had my I had my draws towards highly intelligent, talented, under-functioning women, right? Women who had a lot of talent and ambition, but couldn't, um, just couldn't get things done. Like just, I, I knew a woman, I dated a woman who was, you know, very smart, fantastic at math, uh, very ambitious, but she had crippling exam anxiety, right? So it's like a lot of potential, just a big underperformer. I dated a woman who wanted to be a filmmaker and was pretty skilled at that area, but just, you know, was afraid of making phone calls. And it's like just this high, high potential, uh, great skill, great intelligence, but just, you know, crippling underperformance stuff. Uh, as a whole, that was sort of my thing when I was younger, because my mother, very intelligent, you know, very good communicator, and uh, uh, she she switched later in life from German to English and spoke with very little accent and was incredibly fluent and was very good at helping me edit my first couple of novels and just really smart, but just, you know, crippling, underfunctioning in terms of actual real-world stuff. And uh, mm. I remember when I met my wife, I'm just like, oh, you're really competent. Like, you're really, you're really good at, yeah, you're just good at basic life stuff. Just, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make that call. Yeah, I'll have that. I'll, I'll deal with that. I'll have that confrontation if necessary. And I was just like, oh man, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, just, a, just a consummation devoutly to be wished. Anyway, so, um, yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to, to unplug from those early patterns for sure. I mean, that's, again, that's, I don't blame myself for that or even necessarily psychology. It's just that the genes are scanning and saying, well, you are definitely the product of, reproductive success so whatever that template is let's do that right when um when you did meet your wife and you sort of you know saw that she was you know she was able to execute those things was it strange for you to you know take that in or or to accept or no i loved it i because i paid my dues trying to prop up under functioning women i paid my dues for for some time and I did that because I thought that, I mean, I did that because I thought that the turnaround was just around the corner, right? I mean, you've probably had this with people in your life. They, they, things go badly. And I, I mean, I've never really abused or anything like that. But it was, um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at propping people up because I have sort of an excess of energy and you know could almost say an excess of competence or whatever it is so i'm pretty good in the business world and in the friendship world and so what happens is i pump a lot of energy into people and i think that they're just about to break through 
you know, like if, if you're a, a doctor, you, you, somebody's ill, you, you put a lot of medicine into them and they get better and then you, they don't need you uh, to be their doctor. So I was sort of like, oh, okay, so somebody's, you know, they've, they've hurt themselves, but, you know, like a rehab guy, you do these stretches and, and, and then you'll be fine, you know, and, and all of that, right? And, and I, you know, was wounded and sort of pulled myself out of it. So I have this kind of excess of, of energy or competence or life force or whatever it is. It's not an excess to me, but it's an excess in, in what most people have. So I was just like, okay, well, I've got this excess. I'm, 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 this is, you're, you're a good person. You, you've got uh, talent and ambition, and, and I had talent and ambition, and people invested in me, and I soared because of it. So I'll just invest in you, and you'll soar, and you know, we, you know, we'll, we'll get along well together. But uh, it just didn't work out that way. It just worked out that uh, they never got any better. I got frustrated. They got frustrated. And uh, you, can't, you can't transfer that stuff. I mean, you, you can't. Mm. I mean, I didn't have exam anxiety. I actually, when I was in high school, I voluntarily took exams. I didn't even have to just because I thought that <laughs> it was good practice for college. Like in, I did so well in English, as you can imagine, that uh, I didn't yeah. actually have to take any exams because my marks were so high. I couldn't possibly fail, and, and they, they just said, don't bother. And I'm like, no, no, it's good practice. You know, life is about a lot of times you've got to take your exams, right? Like you're on a show, and the host turns hostile towards you, or it starts off hostile when you expect it to not be. That's, you know, that's your exam, right? So I was like, well, I don't have exam anxiety, so... I can talk things through with you and, and, you know, then you won't have exam anxiety because, you know, helping people you're in a relationship with seems like a good and decent thing to do. Uh, but uh, it just never really, it never really took, it never really changed. And uh, so I would end up just kind of bleeding off my excess energy to, to try and prop people up and um, it would end up, you know, and it's funny too, because in the novel, The Fountainhead, that's kind of what Howard Rourke does with Peter Keating. And, you know, I should have recognized that from the book, but... Uh, getting off the page and into the life is sometimes a tricky thing to do. I'm I'm good at the other way, right? Uh, getting off the life and into the page and writing books. But so yeah, so when I met my uh, wife to be, and she, you know she's very competent. Uh, she she was very good at her profession. She was uh, you know she had a condo and you know very well organized and and you know almost nothing phases her and she just gets things done. Uh, it wasn't odd. It was just like, oh, great, you know, <laughs> fantastic. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I now have the energy to to do things in the world that formerly I was trying to do things uh, with with a, a person as a whole, or or it wasn't just a person like in the business world and all that. And so, yeah, that was um, that was uh, not not. But again, I went through therapy, right? So I did like a, a year and a half of therapy for like three hours a week, and I did like ten to twelve hours of homework and and journaling and stuff like that. And so from that standpoint, uh, that was sort of the, the before and after stuff. And yeah, it was not, it was not a negative for me at all. There was no like, wow, this is unusual. It's just like, I mean, I got that it was unusual, but it was just like, wow, this is, this is great. And, uh, it's uh, been a huge boon to my life. Wow. I could only hope that, um, yeah, I can be that, you know, one day soon, I hope definitely. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly professionally, you already are, right? I mean, professionally, yeah. you've done you've done very well, and and you know, very very impressive stuff, and and so that's good. So we just have to figure out uh, the other thing. So you said you were in a relationship with this. Was it eight years? Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah, more or less um, eight years. Uh, yeah. And, and was, when did that end? Um, around sort of twenty twenty. Three, I think, yes. Yeah, so. 
it ended so yeah. sort of 15 to 23 yes wow and uh, how did it end uh, on what grounds oh the the yeah the police got involved again uh, they got involved when i was uh, 17 um he had basically nearly split my eye socket um and yeah things were just you know not great um yeah um, was was he a drinker or a druggie or is that where some of the violence came from yeah um i'd found out um and again i being the sort of naive like you know it's not sort of good to call myself naive but more so i guess gullible or, or no not, no no um, he was just yeah. he was exploiting the defenses you needed to survive your mother yeah I didn't realize, you know, the extent of his drug use. And yeah, one day he, um, you know, just sort of opened up to me or, you know, showed me um, the things that he'd been doing. And I had no idea, um, you know, that he'd been. I and mean, was it hard drugs too, or just a lot of softer drugs? Yes. You know, yeah, hard drugs. Opioids, yeah. heroin, cocaine. Oh, uh, yeah, like speed. Um, Meth? Like intravenous, yeah, yeah, and wow. like intravenous. Um, so I think the teeth issues yeah. would be a clue, but maybe no. Like I, it, it wasn't like that, which is quite you know. I sort of had that stereotype in my head as well, but yeah, it um, yeah, I was none the wiser. It didn't seem, you know, I just didn't pick it. it was weird. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so he was violent, and you said he sort of cracked your, your orbital eye socket, you know, like the the the, the bone. Mm, yeah, that's right. So, so um, the police came. You you called the police? No, I um was actually concussed, and I woke up a few hours later to a phone call. It was my older brother calling me. He um, I'm not sure if it was just some sort of weird feeling he had, and um. I told him what had happened and, um, yeah, he spoke to my ex and uh, basically demanded he take me to the hospital. Oh, <laughs> um, so his ex said, yeah. yeah, yeah, I punched her in. Yeah, I'd, I'd sort of explained to my brother that, um, yeah, I couldn't couldn't talk. My He'd knocked my teeth out as well. So, oh, um, yeah, I was sort of, I guess, crying and um a bit concussed from what had happened. So my brother, um, you know, said put him on the phone and, um, yeah, that was sort of 1 a.m. in the morning and, um, yeah, he after that he took me to the hospital. Um, I'd been vomiting all night because of the concussion and, um, yeah, I guess that's where sort of the triage nurse had um, sort of, yeah, I think had, had helped me um, do you remember sort of was the blow with an implement yeah. or with his fist or he said it was his fist but um it was you know from my cheek down to to my teeth so yeah i i can't be sure i don't know um he said it was just his fist and it, he said he you know he didn't do it that hard but obviously that was a, a bit of a lie um yeah my the white in my eye was just all the blood vessels were popped um, and that stayed like that for a good two months. So, um, yeah, it was with quite quite a lot of force, yeah. 
Um, sorry, I mean, it, also the teeth thing. I mean, that's a hell of a thing to get, get those replaced. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And so did the police charge him? Uh, I can't, I, um, yeah, there was an AVO placed, like a violence order placed on him. Um, I, I don't even know, um, if he had to go to court for it or, um. Yeah, because I mean, you just broke, yeah. broke contact with him at this point, right? Yeah, I had, I would sort of moved up to the north north part part of the state after that had happened and um yeah while we stopped contact for um you know sort of six or so months um you know we sort of had got back together probably a a year later so oh you got back um, together yeah it was yeah yeah it was again on and off um you know for that period of time but yeah I ended up moving uh, back I mean yeah. This what? is the part like I'm having a little bit of trouble yeah. with. Yeah. What the hell are you doing getting back to like help me understand this? I know. He could have killed you. Everyone. Right? He, yeah. he could have killed yes. you. Yes. He, he, and it yeah. may have come pretty close. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. And and you saying I'm not gonna do anything like my mom does, right? Right. Yeah. Um I don't, I still don't understand. I'm, you know, trying to work through with my therapist at the moment. She says the same thing to me, Um, you know. I mean, that's just, I mean, it seemed to me a straight up death wish, right? I mean, the guy's almost killed you and you're like, yeah, let's get back together. I know it wasn't that simple, but did he approach you? Did he contact you and like, I've changed, I'm better, I'm sorry, like that kind of stuff? Yeah, he, um just randomly reached out to me um, one day and, yeah, we just sort of started talking again and, um, yeah, I... Were you in a yeah. vulnerable, lonely place or was... I, I, I just, again, trying to understand this uh, this boomerang. Yeah, I... So when I moved away... Um, when I moved away for the sort of, you know, first couple of months, I, um, sorry, the first sort of month I started feeling, I guess, a bit weird. Um, and my brother said, you know, because my older brother was, um, up where I was working and, um, I'd ordered a lot of food one day and he said, are you pregnant? And I said, no, that's, that's ridiculous. And, um, yeah, it turned out that I was pregnant. Um, you know, so, I had, you know, I was pregnant with his child at um, 17, um, just before I turned 18. Um, that ended in a termination um, because, you know, I just didn't. Oh, you mean like an abortion, not a miscarriage, right? That's right. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So um, I guess there was that emotional attachment, you know, um, um, I guess that's the only sort of thing that I can think of you know I'd be so stupid to to engage um you know to go back there um you know so that was I guess a bit rough Um, so sorry uh, so wait so after he put you in the hospital you were yeah I I believe so just not not aware of it um and then not long after that I'd I'd moved away um started feeling ill 
um, and I was, yeah, I was pregnant with his child. And was this during the six months that you weren't speaking? No. So this was like, I guess at the beginning of that. Yeah. Yeah. And did you abort the, the, the second pregnancy was that, uh, did that end in an abortion too? No, this, so this is the first, like, and only, um, Sorry, I'm I'm losing track of things. I thought you so right, there was right. one where there was seventeen. Oh, so sorry, <clears throat> seventeen was the age that he put you in the hospital, and that's when you thought yeah. you were pregnant and you had the abortion, and then six months after this, he gets in contact with you. This is back when you were seventeen, right? Yeah. So um, okay, sorry about that. My my apologies. I'm, I'm back with yeah, the timeline again. Yeah. Sorry. <clears throat> really? Yeah. Sorry. And then how did yeah. it go when you got back together with him? Um, yeah, it, yeah, it just sort of, it, um, yeah, I guess it was good for a couple of months and, um, you know, things just sort of slipped back to, to the dysfunctional relationship, um, I think I've, yeah, um, yeah, things just sort of slipped back. Um, but then it was like another yeah. five years that you were going out with this guy on and off, right? That's right, yeah. I, um, when I got moved over to New, oh, sorry, when I got moved over here to the other side of the country, I, um, yeah, I guess I was over here by myself for, um, a good 18, 18 months to two years, um, I started realizing, I guess, the further away and the further the timeline got, I started looking back and um, realizing, you know, how dysfunctional and how toxic things were. And that wasn't the sort of life that I wanted. I think, uh, you know, the career and the job aspect had a lot of positivity in my life. So, um, you know, I was able to to focus my time and energy on on something good that I would get a good return on. Um, so it was easier for me to sort of, you know, cut, cut my tires with him. But again, um, playing into the sort of not playing in, um, on, it's not sort of being easy manipulated or, you know, I'm not sure what it is, but, um, you know, I was ready to completely have him out of my life. I'm not sure if he, you know, realized what was going on and, um, you know, he ended up saying, um, I'm going to move over. Um, you know, I want to be with you. I want to do this again. And I stupidly said yes. Um, so, yeah, he, after two years of me being over here and creating a quite a positive life and, um, you know, functional life for myself, he moved over here and lo and behold. Well, sorry, why do you um, think, uh, was, what was his motive uh, for moving? I mean, was he out of money? Was, did he look at you as a... Uh, somebody to pay the bills or, or was he doing better and there was something else? Um, I'm not sure if it was a control thing that he knew that, um, you know, I wasn't, um, you know, the little, the little puppy dog that, you know, would sort of, um, you know, look up to him and, and want to sort of do anything to, 
just sort of, you know, be in a, a relationship with him, I guess he sort of wasn't feeling, he was feeling less in control um, regarding, um, you know, the sort of power he'd had over me. So, yeah, I'm not sure if that was his sort of move to, you know, to try and reestablish that. I I don't understand, um, you know, the psychology behind um, you know him doing those things. I don't know the situation. Wait, hang, hang, that sorry, he was, what was oh, what was his life like at this at this time when when he moved? How was his life outside yes. of you? Yeah, I um, I believe he was out working in the mines. Um, you know, earning good money. Um, yeah, still sort of lived with his parents. Um, yeah, still living with his parents at that stage or gone back to living with his mum um, and, and working in, in the mining industry. Um, so in the way of money, I, I don't think he saw me as the sort of meal ticket, but um, well, again... Well, but it was, not when, a, it was not a fun job in the mines, right, to put it mildly. Right, yeah. So when he moved um, out with you, did he get another job or what did he do? Yeah, so when he came over here, I, I because of the industry we were both in and the, uh, I guess the the contacts or the people that I knew, um, I was able to get him a, a job. Um, I basically said, you know, I'm willing to give this one more chance, but I need to sort of, you know, I need to see these things happen. Um, yeah, that was short lived, and you know, a sort of month or so later, he'd asked to have a package sent to my work. Um, he said it was just clothes. Um, and I said, that's fine. We were sort of living in a share house before I'd, I'd got another apartment. But um, it was drugs. Yeah. How did it? It yeah, was drugs. Was drugs. What a shock. Yeah. Yeah. It was enough drugs to, I think, you know, send me to jail for a long time and that that was the line he crossed for me and um yeah that was just that was it for me. I I sort of said, look, um, you know, after after the holidays, um, yeah, yeah, we're going our separate ways. I don't want to do this anymore. So um yeah. And it it was, you know, I was the bad person for that, I guess. So but I just yeah. Leaving me yeah. in my time of need. Oh yeah, yeah. I bet you all the, all the bullshit was was hauled out and trotted out, and he tried to do anything. You know, I've I've changed. It was one slip up. You can't forgive me for one thing, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody knows yeah. this sycophantic garbage, uh, but it's very compelling when you're in the face of it. But uh, when you're a little bit removed, yeah. you're like, yeah, he he really tried to play me there, didn't he? Yeah. Look, I still struggle. I um still question, you know, why, why have I accepted those things? Or, you know, I, I regret a lot of things and, you know, um, I, I guess I've bled on a lot of people that haven't cut me metaphorically. Um, so I do regret a lot of things. Um, you know, continuing that relationship is definitely one of them. Um, well, I okay. Question. So let's be kind of frank here, right? So how handsome was he? Right. Yeah, he was, I look at, you know, I sort of, I guess, look back now and think, you know, I'm in no way attracted to him. But, yeah, he was, you know, quite handsome. 
Yeah, right. definitely. So, I mean, because you're uh, very good looking yourself, so you make you make you make a striking pair, right? There's a certain amount of vanity in that, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, you you you're both each other's arm candy, so to speak, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, think I mean, so that and the definitely. reason that's good to know is that that's your susceptibility, right? And I bet you there were a lot of of you know decent guys who looked at you and said, "Wow, you know, she's smart, successful, and pretty, and uh, she's with this guy." Oh Lord! Yeah, it's a it's a great way to make men cynical about women. Although again, you were you were a kid and you were in a violent situation, so I kind of understand it. But it's good to know your susceptibility to to good looks, right? Right. Because I imagine that was one of the curses of your mother too, right? That your mother was pretty, and this definitely. is why she could bounce yeah. around all of this monstrous mess, right? Right. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you dumped this guy. You're 23, good riddance to bad rubbish, as they used to say. And then what? Yeah, I, um, yeah, I sort of, I'd always swore to myself that I would never, um, you know, have a sort of relationship with anybody that I'd met, um, at, at, you know, through work or through that sort of circle. But, um, you know, the way things played out, I, I met him then, um, a little bit older than me. He's sort of um, 12 years older than me. Um, I met him through, a, I guess, a large job that um, he was working on. And, um, you know, we started a, a platonic friendship, um, which led to um, a relationship. Um, you know, that was, yeah, he's a great man. He's the one that actually introduced me to you and your podcasts and, um, yeah, just his outlook on I'm life sold. was quite positive. Sorry, just <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he's a really great guy. Um, again, he sort of, I think, had his issues with a, a relationship, you know, previous to meeting me and, um, uh, yeah, some things sort of came between he and I regarding my past and, um, his ex actually fell pregnant, so um, yeah, like three months of us being together, um, he opened up and told me that his ex partner was was pregnant with his child, and um, that was just a, a bit of a roller coaster, um, you know, mentally. So I struggled a lot with that. Um, I think you know that was just sort of a bit hard. Did they, did they, um, is the baby born? Did that how? Yeah, yeah. So oh, good. One made it. Okay, good, good. All right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. so that's complicated, right? Yeah. And we, I guess um, it means he'd had sex with his ex right before he got together with you, or sort of close time frame. Yeah, yeah. Like within a month. Yeah. Wow. Unprotected um, sex with the ex, new girlfriend. You know, that's yeah. a bit of a red flag. You know, all due respect to the guy who introduced you to my show, but I got to be fair. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I do. Um, it is something that I, you know, think about, and uh, yeah, definitely. And he's he's on the um, hook now for like twenty years, right? That's right. Yeah. It's going to be a bit of a challenge. Yeah. I mean, unless he's super rich, right? It's going to be a bit of a challenge getting resources for a family you might want, right? And I think that's you know he um sort of has that outlook now. He um uh, you know doesn't want to hold me back. Um, 
you know, because of the commitments he now has. And I think that makes him, you know, quite a great, a great person is, you know, how committed he is to ensuring his. Can he you know, afford two families? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd say definitely in, in the job that he is in. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be um, a stretch. I don't. I don't see no. Okay. I feel bad even. I feel bad even. Um, you know, saying that or looking at him in a in a sort of resourceful way like Why? that. Um, Why? I don't. I don't understand. I mean, the whole reason we have sexual attraction is so we can have babies, and babies take a huge amount of resources. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's not like your your um. Oh my 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 romantic lust for this man should not be colored by any sense of resources. It's like, well, the romantic lust only exists because babies need resources. That's the entire purpose. And now it's not like you look at someone as a walking wallet, but the idea that we can take away, like as a woman, it, that you can take away your need for resources from your sexual desire, is saying, well, I only want one side of the coin, not the other. Right. There is no, I mean, you've got, you could have platonic male friends uh, if you don't care about resources, but when it comes to someone you're considering to be the father of your children, resources matter. They really matter. Because, uh, right. you know, again, just what you're biologically primed for. It's like a man saying, I'm completely indifferent to the level of attraction I have for, like the physical attraction I have for my partner. You know, I, what, you want to love some spirit of hers it's like okay fine then then have her as a friend but if you're looking if at the moment it turns sexual then sex means babies and babies need resources so and and you know if if the, if it turns sexual and as a, as a man you want kids then sexual means fertility means fertility signals means youth and you know decent genes and and all of that and and the personality matters and all that so i don't know i just to me you know it's it's a deal it's a deal, you know, fertility for resources. And that's where right. life comes from. That's where, you know, if you want all these, you know, oh, I want I want a guy in my life and I don't want to think about his resources. It's like, okay, well, the fact that all of our ancestors thought about resources is the whole reason we're here. So it doesn't do much service to all their sacrifices if we just say, well, to hell with resources. You know, it doesn't matter. It's mm. like, well, it does. It does matter. It does matter. I mean, in terms of just stuff for your kids, it matters. You know, can they get uh, braces if they need them? Uh, can they get decent health care? Can they get, uh, uh, you know, regular dental checkups? Uh, what if they need glasses? Uh, what if they get sick? You know, we, we need resources. Re kids need resources. They just do. And, you know, what if they uh, take up an expensive hobby? Can they can they perceive they want to uh, ride horses or be a ballet dancer or whatever, right? I mean, is that possible? That's... It matters. Right? That's um, <clears throat> that's important. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, the idea that we can separate these these things, uh, I think, is uh, it's kind of foolish. We should we should enjoy uh, these things and and relish these things because you know, I mean, if he if he enjoys your looks, and that's a factor for him, as it is, and I'm sure you enjoy his looks, and that's a factor for you. But those are genetic markers. Hopefully, we don't choose our platonic friends on the basis of how it's physically attractive. They are, um, but other than, you know, maybe you have more in common, but as far as fertility for resources go, um, we should enjoy that. And we should absolutely enjoy that as, as part of what makes a family work. Because, you know, as I said before, you should choose the father of your children like your future children get the deciding vote, right? And 
if mm. he's broke, uh, they might say, well, that's kind of stressful and it means I can't do that much. And uh, it means I'm not going to have anything in common with the wealthier kids who probably will end up more successful, be good contacts, higher IQ, that kind of stuff. So they might say, you know, mom-to-be, we'd really appreciate it if the guy had a little bit more resources and all of that. But, you know, again, it's not the only deciding factor, but I think just saying it's bad to think about, I think, is is uh, it's not realistic. I mean, you're going to think right. about it, whether you like it or not. You can either embrace it or not, but just saying it's bad, yeah. saying that there's an essential part of you that cares about the future of your children that's somehow bad or wrong for doing that. And it's like, no, that's that's not bad or wrong. I guess it might be just the stigma attached, you know, the way I sort of, um, you know, I guess you look at sort of um, how some women look at resources or... Um, like the gold digger thing, of, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the gold digger thing has nothing to do with raising kids. You're not a gold digger if you want your future children to get food, right? <laughs> the gold digger is is the woman who gets an older guy she has no intention of having kids with. She brings nothing to the table except looks and sexuality, and she takes money. Okay. Right. And, and you know, money for resources is the oldest play in the it's, – it, it's in all the animal kingdom, resources for fertility. It's in all and, – and the male display of, you know, like those birds that make those cute little um, <laughs> areas for the females to look at, and they do their dance, and that's, it's really – well, that's kind of cute, right? But – you know, uh, fertility for resources uh, It's why the peacock has those giant ass feathers, right? Because it, it says, hey, look how <laughs> successful I am. I can have these and still survive, and I'm really strong, And right? So, I mean, that's – but so, yeah, the gold digger thing for uh, is, is a totally different thing. If you want resources so that your kids do well, yeah. I mean, yes, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mean, if, if I didn't have resources, uh, I wouldn't be able to homeschool. Right, and that's really good yeah. for my daughter to to homeschool. Right, so um, wanting wanting resources because you want your kids to have a good life, or at least not be broken, stressed when they're little. Uh, that's not being a gold digger because it's not fundamentally for you, right? It's not like you're saying, "Well, I want to marry this guy so I can get diamond studded tennis bracelets and play at the club <laughs> in a short skirt and flirt with the tennis instructor." Like that's not that's not what you're doing, right? You're doing is just saying. Yeah, it'd be nice if my kids could, uh, you know, have some level of material comfort and, and we have options, right? It'd be nice if, if yeah. you know, if you want to homeschool your kids, it'd be nice if a husband can afford me being home homeschooling the kids. That's not for you. That's for the kids. It, you're not a gold digger if you're trying to benefit your children's lives, are you? No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, good point. The gold digger is the gold for you to wear that's useless and vainglorious and nonsense, right? But it's just like... It'd be great if my kids' crooked teeth could be fixed with, with orthodontics. Uh, that, that's not you being a gold digger, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I guess he has some, you know, he's quite apprehensive, you know, about situations, um, you know, in the past um, and sort of things that have happened. Um, you know, I, I think he's a little bit apprehensive about letting me into his son's life because, um, you know, because of some of the things that have happened. And I get that. That's understandable. Okay, that's um, way too vague. Way too vague. I don't know what any of that means. First of all, you can't, right, technically right. you can't be apprehensive about the past because apprehensive yeah. is about the future. Um, how, how old is his son? His son now is four in October. Yeah. Oh, like your like your stepsister. 
half sister. Yeah. Yes, half sister. Yeah, very similar in age. You've got a you got a lot of kids around you that you have complicated mm. relationships with. <laughs> Be nice to have some kids around you that you didn't have complicated relationships with, but but that is what it is, right? So you've been with this guy for four years, right? Oh, three three years and a bit. Well, yeah, sort of on and off again um, with a sort of you know maintaining functional relationships for myself. Um, yeah, we've. We sort of stopped contact for a little while. Um, his job, I guess, has been quite strenuous, and um, you know nope. there have been issues. No, stress does not drive couples apart. Right. No, no, there's no. You know, other than kidnapping or whatever, like there's no external circumstances that dictates that you get further apart, right? So stress, you know, if you have stress in your work, uh, you sh- there's no reason why that can't bring you closer to your partner, right? Right? Um, you know, they're your safe harbor. They talk things through with you. They give you perspective, and you 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 draw closer. There's no reason why disagreement can't bring you closer to your partner. You have a big disagreement, and and you talk things through. You figure things out, and you. You then have a successfully resolved disagreement in the rear view, which brings you closer together and makes your relationship more secure because now you know you can disagree and still love each other, right? Yeah. So that's um, you know other than like you know you had an affair or you got addicted to drugs, or, like but there's no there's nothing like oh work stress broke us up. It's like no, it didn't. No, it didn't. No. Um, he I guess as it sort of edged closer to his ex, um, fully you know, having. The, the son um yeah that sort of put a lot of doubt and worry in my mind I started questioning you know things like who am I in this man's life of have I been the other woman and you know how are things going to change once once the baby comes into the life and into but the world sorry, and who am I to, to I'm not sure I um yeah, I'm not Seems sure. Seems like I, something you should know. Yeah. Seems like something he should tell you, right? They, um, like, I think they sort of, you know, in the way of her beliefs and his beliefs, she's, you know, like full suffragette, um, you know, more sort of, um, more sort of feminist. Oh, um, she's a feminist know, who don't need no man, but she'll needs his. She needs <laughs> his uh, child support, right? Right. Right, right. Yeah. From okay. what I gather, that's kind what of it's sort of been like. The relationship had fallen apart, um, you know, for you know, quite a quite a long time. And um, you know, well, he told me that they hang on, oh, hang on. Let's, let's back yeah. up a little here, right? Yeah. I mean, let's talk female to female, right? I'll put on the persona, right? It's just us girls, right? right? Come on, <laughs> come on, come on, come on. A woman, yeah. the guy's got some money, right? He's doing pretty well professionally. You said he can afford two families, right? Okay. So let's let's look at this nakedly, so to speak, right? So okay. a woman feels a guy who has a lot of resources slipping through her fingers, right? Right. And what does she do? Sperm jacks him. <laughs> she gets pregnant. <gasps> yeah. You know, this is like the oldest scam in the known universe, right? Right. Right. 
Hey, yeah. Bitcoin's up. I remember you talking about Bitcoin a long time ago. Let's get together this week. Right, whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not all women, you know, It's uh, but, you know, come on. I mean, mm. this is... This is so obvious, right? I mean, I hate to yeah. sort of point it out that way, but it's blindingly mm. obvious, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's, you know, they broke up probably for some reasons of incompatibility or whatever. And then she got pregnant. Oh, look, I've got a meal ticket for 20 years, right? Right. Yeah. That, um, yeah, that caused... I guess a lot of, um, you know, I questioned the relationship a lot, um, you know, once that had happened and I think I'd pushed him away, um, you know, because of all these sort of negative thoughts in my head. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, so, listen, I get, I get, I, I don't mean to right. sort of ride roughshod over oh, the, your detailed yeah. female internalities, yeah. you know, because, right. you know, I get it. I mean, you're, you're, you're a female and, and I get all of that. But I'm afraid I'm going to have to bring some savage masculine energy to the conversation here, because yeah. I assume that's why you called, right? So, so look, yeah. so from from 24 to 28, right. he's been kind of dicking you around, and and he's not committed to the point where he's going to marry you, right? He's not saying, "Yep, we have an absolutely rock solid future together. I just need to tidy up these loose ends. Let's get married," because you know you want kids, right? I assume you've told him that you want kids, right? Yeah. Okay, so. What the hell is he doing? He's taken close to a half decade of your prime fertility years, and what have you got? Yeah. What have you got? Do you have a commitment from the man? No. No. So my patience with him is not there. Right. Because he knows, if he listens to this show, he knows I've told a million men over the years, do not screw with a woman's fertility years. If you don't want to commit to her, turn her loose. Right, because now you're 28, right? Again, 28, not ancient, yeah. right? Uh, you understand, right? <laughs> but you know, you you you're concerned, and and you know, rightly so. SMV is slipping, slipping away. Uh, sorry, say again. Oh, the sexual market value is, yeah, definitely depleting. Well, I mean, again, you've got time, right? I'm I'm glad you're calling now, not not like 38, right? <laughs> but what's he doing? He knows you want kids. He's not committing. He's not turning you loose. So I guess help um, me understand how this isn't just using you in in a way, right? Yeah. So I guess he wants to see, um, you know, stable, consistent, um, you know, like me being stable and consistent and not having dramas like things that had sort of happened late last year and um, oh, we'll get to that we'll yeah. get to that but here's the thing right, right. so he yeah. wants you but he wants you to be different just more stable and, no 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 yeah. hang on he wants you but he wants you to be different these two things don't fit it's like you got to pick a lane if he wants you yeah. he wants you for who you are now does that mean you'll never change in the future sure you'll change for sure but you got to just love someone for who they are, right? As opposed to, I want you, but you got to be different. And until you are different in a way that only I will tell you, I'm not going to commit. But at the same time, I'm not going to turn you loose so that you can have someone who will accept you for who you are. I 
guess it might be similar to you were talking earlier regarding, um, you know, the the women that you dated when you were younger and, um, you know, they just sort of didn't have everything squared away. So they weren't quite for you. Um, yeah. So Didn't have everything squared away? No, that wasn't really. Oh. No, oh. My, my, my issue was, yeah. I was I was just projecting. I was like, well, I overcame yeah. obstacles. And people helped me overcome obstacles, so I will just help these women overcome obstacles. I'll pay it forward, and they'll get what they want, just as I got what I want, and everything will be great. And I just unconsciously, of course, chose women that would not overcome obstacles. And just mistaking the world for myself, that's kind of what youth is. But no, 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 because you can't can't be with someone and say, well, yeah, let's have a relationship, let's have sex, let's be exclusive, but I'm not going to commit until you're fundamentally different. That's not good. That's not because you feel rejected, right? You feel you are rejected. Yeah. And you're rejected in the worst way because if you just openly rejected, then you say, oh, I, that hurts my heart, but I'll pick myself up and I'll move on or find someone else, right? But this yeah. hovering around stuff, this may be sort of someday if dot, 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 clause after clause after clause, it gives him a perpetual out, right? And you then spend four years feeling uh, somewhat tortured and rejected because he's like, you can't you can't get a commitment out of the guy, but he won't leave you alone. Right. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, it's your life. I don't tell me like you. you I'm not no, trying no. to tell you what your life is, but you know, four years is a hell of a long time to not get a commitment out of a guy. And he says, well, my commitment is contingent upon you doing X, Y, and Z, right? To which yeah, my temptation would be to say, tell you what, asshole. You go find a woman who already has what you want, but don't torture me by saying I'm not good enough. Right. And you coming into this relationship with a freshly minted pregnant ex-girlfriend, are you saying that I don't meet your lofty standards of of excellence? Are you fucking kidding me? I think so. Who are you to sit on this throne and, and tell me, well, you know... It's not quite enough stability. Oh, wait, I have a call from my baby mama who needs more money. How, how dare you bring any kind of potential instability into my life when I have created a single mother feminist because I couldn't keep it in my pants for 30 seconds in the most obvious yeah. scam ploy in the known universe. Guy getting away with resources, hooking with a baby. <laughs> My God, this guy's got some cojones, as they used to say, right? (laughs) Well, I'm concerned about your levels of stability, you see. Gosh, I hope I don't get dragged back into family court to pay more money for my vengeful ex, who I had sex with a month before I met you and made a baby with. (laughs) Good Lord. Good Lord. (laughs) That's a a special kind of guy. How good looking is he? Come on, tell me. He is definitely, uh, definitely. Good looking to yeah. get away with this stuff, right? <laughs> I feel bad for a Glad I'm older. Because, I'm uh, telling you, the yeah. stuff I got away with when I was young and hot was unbelievably ridiculous. Anyway, go on, <laughs> go on. Yeah, I, I, I feel guilty for laughing about it, but... Um, Why? I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah, if I'm big, I'm fair. I'm big, I'm fair. I'm just giving you that, you know, brutal objectivity that I assume people come to me for, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm I'm concerned, you see, about bringing you into my son's life. Although mm-hmm. I did have sex with a feminist who manipulated the hell out of me and took me to court for money. So it's fine, you know, it's fine having unprotected sex with that woman because, you know, but but you, you know, she's she's in my mom, she's in my kid's life. I'm not going for sole custody. She's not an unfit mother. So this woman, yeah, it's totally fine having her. In fact, it's a great thing to have her in my son's life. But I don't know about you. Hmm. Right. Come on. Yeah. Come on. He chose the mother of his child who wants his money but not him. Right. And he gave a son to what I assume is a somewhat bitter feminist. Oh, mm. going to leave a mark. But he's really concerned about you, you see. Right. Come on. You got to shake yeah. that one off. I don't care how good looking he is. I mean, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. But this is another reason why, you know, I'm not turned that much by a pretty, pretty face anymore. And uh, so, uh, and certainly not turned by a male pretty face at all. In fact, a male pretty face <laughs> is something I would have a great deal of suspicion of. Right. You got to think of him as bald and pudgy. <laughs> no, because he will be, right? Most likely, right? Right? Everyone, you know, it's it's hard to keep off that, you know, post forty, post fifty, slight middle tire the muffin top and it's uh you know men <laughs> men men like 90 percent of men lose their hair and uh yeah just think of him as like bald and pudgy right and because he will be yeah. and and if you commit to him while he's young and hot and then you don't like him and he's bald and pudgy he just stole your family from you right yeah so what happened last year um Sorry, yeah, I don't mean to uh, 180 the yeah, convo, no. but, you know, I want to make sure we get to that before we, yeah, we close definitely. up. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I went, obviously because of COVID, I can't go to the other side of Australia to um, spend time with, you know, my brothers for their holidays. Um, so I was invited to what I thought was a, a friend, um, yeah, to spend the Christmas Eve and, and Christmas with her her family and her sort of her little children, um, to which I obliged. I ended up going there and, and you know, spending the sort of afternoon and the evening um, with her and her family and uh, her brother, who I had never met before. He was there um, just sort of out of the blue. It was unexpected. Um you know, I think he sort of had some sort of issues um, where he's from and, um, yeah, was spending the Christmas with her He'd had her some sort of husband. issues from where he's from. Uh, oh, oh like, the fog, uh, the fog. Oh, I can't oh, see, oh, Captain. Oh. Where are we going? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if he had some sort of, um, you know, mental breakdown or some sort of, I, I really don't know, um, but he was there, I guess. The, the point is he was there, um, you know, with the family. Um, I ended up having, a, um, you know, a couple of drinks with my friends, which, um, you know, said that I don't drink and, yeah, I ended up having um, some alcohol with my friend and but does, um, sorry does your friend this woman right does your friend know about yeah. your history with an alcoholic and drinking and all that 
Yeah, yeah, she, um... So did she say, no, 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 she, this lady doesn't drink, um, and, you know, leave it at that? Or did she say, well, hey, have a drink? Yeah, it was, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, the sort of festive season is no, you know, no sort of reason to, you know, have some eggnog, not that we drink eggnog here, but, um, yeah, it, I, you know. So felt... she knew you didn't drink, but she encouraged you to drink. Yeah. I'd like you to, yeah, I'd invite you to revisit your use of the word friend here. Right, so we're not. Um, you know, we're not friends anymore. Right, um, right, okay. Yeah, so um, I, yeah, ended up staying there the night at my friend's mother's house. All of, um, you, know, you know, the family were there, her, her children and her and her husband and um, the mother and, you know, in turn this, this man, her brother. Um, I ended up getting sick, like pretty violently sick um, in my own swag they they call it a swag here so like a little sort of sleeping a portable sleeping vessel um wait a yeah, so sleeping I'll... vessel <laughs> what yeah like a swag um it's like a little bed that you can take out camping and um you know you sort of roll it out and it's like a canvas like a little... cot kind of thing or like a futon mm, no you sort of roll it up and um I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. It's like a little sort of bit of foam in a, yeah, in a canvas uh, bag. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so, the, yeah so, so, and why was it that you decided to, st- because you got sick? Is that why you slept over or? Uh, it was already sort of organized that I would, you know, spend Christmas there. Um, oh, so you planned yeah. to spend the night? Right, yeah, before I knew that this, um, you know, man was there, we'd sort of agreed on it. She said, you know, no one should spend Christmas alone, come over, um, you know, have dinner and, and you can um, spend Christmas morning with us. Um, but they didn't so have I a thought, bedroom for you, obviously, right? Right. right so you were sleeping, yeah. like, in the living room mm-hmm. on this? Yeah, yeah. Bed thing yeah, that sorry. I can't remember the name of? A swag. A swag, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think of swag to... as like a useless crap you get at conventions with people's companies' names on it, but it doesn't really matter. Okay, it doesn't really matter. Okay, so the swag. So you're sleeping yeah. like in the living room on the swag, and uh, does everyone else have a bedroom, or where's this mystery man? Yeah, so he was um, in like, – it's quite sort of open, open plan, and he was um, on the fold-out couch um, – and again, had I known this would be the arrangement, I would have never drunk alcohol and I would certainly not have stayed there the night. Um, and do you know what you got sick from? I don't know. Like I did the tests, um, you know, at the hospital like 72 hours later. So there was nothing, you know, that showed up in my system, um, you know, if I was drugged or anything. Yeah, do you um, think this guy might have roofied you? Yeah, well, that, you know... Um, that thought definitely has passed my mind. I am, um, my memory is, you know, like I know what it takes for somebody to get blackout drunk and the level of alcohol that I consumed was no way near, you know, that sort of possibility. So, Well, um, you mean you're Australian, so it may be a different metric from the rest of the world. Um, right. But yeah, I assume it's just like a couple of drinks, right? Right. Uh, 
so yeah I woke up um I woke up violently ill like all over myself in my swag um and I can't even remember if my friend and her brother um or if it was just my friend they'd put me in the shower um and then they put me she'd put me back in the swag and um wait what the, weren't you sick of the swag so, no, she cleaned it out. Oh, okay, um, okay. Or took my took my sheets out and um, you know, put me back in there. Um, again, the memory is quite vague for me. Even you know, three months on, um, I, I woke up. I'm not sure of the timing if this happened before or after I was violently ill, but yeah, I woke up and this man was um, having like he was on top of me and he was having sex with me. Um, well, he was uh, raping you, yeah. right? Yeah, he raped me um, in his family home, you know, his mum's home um, with children in the house um, to somebody that was, um, you know, obviously not with it. So, um, yeah, I was raped on Christmas Eve last year um, by, you know, a friend's brother who I who I thought I could trust and. Um, yeah, obviously wasn't the case. So that was, a, you know, that has been a big struggle for me, um, you know, just sort of navigating through that. Um, yeah, it's been God, pretty I'm so, so I'm so sorry. I'm so unbelievably sorry. That's just beyond appalling. And so what happened? So when you woke up, he was yeah. raping you. And what, what happened? How did that go? Yeah, so um, this is where I think, you know, there could have been something else at play is I come to um I come to and the sort of you know it was happening and then I'd passed back out or I'd I'd sort of you know like that was it. it I just sort of blacked out and then I woke up in the morning and it was it was morning um so I had a flash of what had happened um a flash of being violently ill and and sort of being in the shower at one stage and then yeah the next thing it was it was the morning um, and, yeah, just sort of having to put that face on, you know, while her children were excited at being Christmas and, um, you know, me realising or me thinking, you know, did that actually happen and, um, you know, realising that, yeah, that in fact did actually happen. And, I assume you were um, physically sore or maybe even bleeding. Yeah, yeah I um, – had actually had like a minor surgery a couple of days before, um, you know, in that sort of region. So, um, yeah, it, yeah, it was, um, it was pretty, pretty crazy. And then sort of, you know, just trying to sort of understand that situation. And it was, yeah, I guess, you know, it being on Christmas day and, um, you know, having to put on, that sort of happy face for my for my friend's children was just um, a yeah, feeling that I can't really explain. It was really awful. Oh, no. I mean, uh, ultimate dissociation, right? Ultimate dissociation. <sighs> and what yeah. happened then? Like at some yeah. point? I mean, I guess at some yeah. point you had to tell or talk or go to the cops. Yeah. Or yeah. So um, about an hour later, like he, he had gone. Um, I think he had, you know, well and truly realized what had ha- what he'd done. So he had, he just, he, had, he was gone. Um, I had messaged my 
my friend, her her husband, and I told him what had happened. Um, um, Wait, so, yeah, you, so you texted your friend's husband who was in the house, right? He had left, he'd left sort of late that night. Their house is sort of all um, in the neighbourhood. They're quite, you know, close together. So he ended up going over to their to their family home and sleeping. He'd been on night shift or, or something. So, um, yeah, he was having issues sleeping. So he had left. He left to go back to his own, you know, house. Um, oh, so, so, so your, fr- your friend and her husband yeah. are separated? No, no. So um, the house is... Of like her her mother and her house uh, sort of across the road from each other. Um, she wanted to spend Christmas morning or Christmas sort of eve with the family in her mother's home. Okay, okay, got um, it, got it. Yeah, so um, so he was he was across the street, right? Okay, so you texted him and and did you say um, like this this guy yeah. raped me? Yes. I said that um, he didn't get the message for a few hours. By that stage, um, by that stage, I had left. Um, I just, I couldn't sort of. Well, I just really started disassociating, and I think I was in shock, and oh yeah, yeah, just started sure. to withdraw. Um, so Plus, I'd you left. might want to get a hold of a morning after pill or something, right? You got to get to the hospital, well, get the rape the kit. The issue, yeah, the issue with that is um, there was that sort of bought its own sort of issues um there was no nothing was open um yeah so I had well, emergency to wait would for, be open right yeah yeah I um yeah went home for a couple of hours and then ended up getting a, a message back from her husband and um you know him just sort of saying he's really sorry and <clears throat> sorry um I ended up going to his mother she runs like a neighborhood center um, in the town that we live in, um, and I, I sort of sorry. What is a neighborhood went, center? What is that? Oh, like um, they look after, I guess, homeless people. People go there and volunteer, and you know, if there's struggling farmers or um, you know, people in some sort of. Oh, so she's she's very charitable town. in in the community, right. but she raised a rapist. Uh no, sorry. This is sorry, sorry stuff. This is um. My friend's husband, his mother, yeah, sir. Okay, so um, it's not, it was your friend's brother who was the rapist, right? Right, right, Okay, right, got it, yes, got it, okay. Yes. Yeah, so um, confided in um, her husband's mother because it was sort of slightly removed from, you know, m- my friend um, and, you know, given her experience in, you know, her charitable work um I thought she would might have been you know experienced in this sort of department maybe so um she counseled me you know the first day with that um she um you know she recommended I go to the hospital and and do the rape kits and and so on so um yeah I took that advice I'd called the hospital um yeah I'd called the hospital so Boxing Day, so the following day, um, you know, just after trying to piece together everything that had happened, um, I went 
down to the chemist, got the morning after pill, uh, as it's still sort of, you know, in that window of 72 hours. Um, so Boxing Day I went down to the hospital um, and they did a rape kit. Um, there were sort of four ladies in the room and, yeah, they sort of took a, a bit of a statement from me of, about what had happened and um, did a forensic kit and, um, yeah, that afternoon and the following day I had lodged a form online. Uh, you can lodge a form online, you know, regarding rapes in Australia. It might not – or it's not a, a statement, an official statement, but you can lodge it and have it um, there in the police system just so when you go to put in an actual statement that the, you know, it's it's already there and they can pull that information um, so I, I did that and, um, yeah, so <clears throat> I had started receiving um, rape counselling from the hospital. Um, yeah, so I, I was doing that and I'd reached out to this this other sort of therapist um, that I'm paying, you know, paying for with, with um, my own money just to, you know, sort of get through it. Um, probably not making much sense now but in a nutshell yeah that's sort of what what's happened and um I guess I'd just so quickly like to say that um I found out afterwards and this is another reason why I have nothing to do with this this person anymore is that her other brother had actually sexually assaulted her when she was younger and um this man that had raped me he'd been accused of doing this to to two other um women in the past when they oh were younger so, wait she put you yes yes in a room with an accused yes. rapist yes alone yes yes while you were sick right oh yes. my god i'm so sorry what an unbelievable bitch yeah 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 so um that it's just really topped it off. Um, yeah. So. Did the son of a bitch get arrested at least? So I've um, I've got a meeting um, with a detective, um, the senior detective next week. Um, what, four yeah, or five so months later? What, what the hell? What are they yeah, doing? So, um, this guy could be out there doing more. Like, what? The, help me understand what's yeah. with the delay. Yeah, so... New Year's Eve, I was contacted um, from the detective, the local detective, and he said, you know, he's going, he's on holidays and he's, you know, going to be away for a few weeks. So that that pushed it back um, into oh, the Oh, come on. I don't understand. Mm. Like, there's more than one detective. Not in this town. Not in this town. But oh, I get what you're saying. I agree, definitely. Right. Um, yeah, so then... Um, yeah, I didn't hear from him for like the detective. I didn't hear from him. So I ended up calling the, the police a couple of times. Um, but the conversation I did have with him before New Year's, he seemed, um, you know, like, yeah, I guess he was just sort of stressing that, you know, these things can take years to, to sort of, you know, go through in court and they're, um, you know, quite stressful things and was, it was almost like he was planning a bit of doubt in my head or maybe just feeling out how serious I was about, you know, going ahead with this. Um, 
So I ended up reaching out about a month later, so sort of late January, to the police station to say, you know, what the hell is going on? I haven't been contacted by this detective. He said he'd contact me. And, um, yeah, so there had been a bit of a stall in in that. And um, I'm not sure if that's him feeling out how serious I was, you know, about pursuing and I don't, this. And to be honest, I don't understand how this takes years. I just don't. I mean, yeah. I assume that the rape kit came up with uh, semen or, or pre-semen yeah. or, or, you know, yes. like pubic hairs or bruising. Yeah. I mean, and and you've got witnesses who place him in the room uh, at the right. same time. Uh, and right. so, I mean, I don't know how on earth this takes years. They just go and, you know, shake their fucking fist at this guy and say, we've got you dead to rights. We got you in the room with the woman. We got your semen in her vagina. Uh, you know, you're done, man. You were done. Yeah. And... You know, I guess he would say, well, it was consensual, right? And But if there's tearing or bleeding, I mean, clearly not. And so, again, I'm no lawyer. I'm no, I just, I don't understand how this shit takes years. I just don't. Yeah. I um, I guess that, you know, might just be our, um, yeah, sort of system, um, you know, in Australia. So, um, yeah, I have... You know, all the evidence and everything is there. Um, I'm just, you know, I guess I've been sort of counselling, you know, seeking out that sort of, um, you know, the the rape counselling and everything else in preparation to, you know, this journey that I'm about to, um, you know, to take because, yeah, it could take, you know, years as he's saying and it's just going to be, you know, quite stressful but it's something that I'm, you know, definitely obliged to do not only for myself but for other women in the community so um oh yeah, um, yeah. if everything you're saying is true and i'm going to accept that it's true then yeah this guy needs to be taken out of society for sure yeah for sure now looking back at your friend right so you're saying that right. what she was sexually assaulted by one of her brothers is that right yeah okay yeah, so right. so when you look back at your friend were there any warning signs or anything about her personality, her life, her environment, tattoos? I mean, anything where you can look back and say, okay, this is a really messed up person. Because what she did was unbelievably messed up, right? I mean, right. she basically yeah. was acting almost just like pimp to rapist, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, that's how it felt, definitely. Um, yeah, I I met her through you know, my last sort of corporate job and, um, you know, she wasn't on the same sort of, I guess, level in the in the job. She was more sort of, I guess, an in, internal sort of customer service person. Okay, I don't um, need a resume. I'm looking for, yeah, I'm looking <laughs> for any signs yeah. that there was significant dysfunction. And this is not to put any blame on you, any onus upon you, yeah. but just in terms of self-protection going forward. Yeah. Is there any sign at how messed up she was? There were, yeah. Yeah. There were, um... Yeah, just, you know, she'd sort of... Yeah, there were, like, just more feelings, you know. Just, I guess it just goes to show, you know, you need to trust your intuition in the way of telltale signs, um, yeah, they're just sort of the were little things, I guess, but nothing, you know, screaming, screaming that, you know, nothing alluding to, you know, 
that level of seriousness. Wow, I am. Yeah, I am so sorry. That is it's an appalling experience, and and it's a, you know, listen, I I know it's complicated around the rape stuff. Um, you know, if if there's not, you know, direct evidence and and so on, but um, no, it's yeah, all there, is, yeah, I mean, if this guy's had a prior history of of these sorts of accusations, and I guess I guess they haven't landed or maybe the women withdrew uh, or maybe the process was too arduous or maybe uh, you don't know what happened to the prior accusations, right? Right. Well, uh, the the husband's mother had sort of um, found this information out after the fact and she said that, you know, one was an eerily similar situation uh, when they were quite, you know, they were younger. Um, so they were sort of, you know, like late teens um, and the same thing had happened to her friend. Um, you know, he'd, he'd done the same thing. And um, apparently he made such a big song and dance about um, about the sort of situation that it sort of pushed her back, that pushed the, the, the lady that or the young lady that this had happened to, you know, sort of pushed her back into to not proceeding with any sort of legal action so um yeah i guess maybe that had given him some sort of i don't know emboldened him i suppose right yeah so um <sighs> yeah and she knew all of this yeah that's i yeah i really just can't stand thinking about it um, i'm repulsed by you know not only this person for their actions that they've done but by my you know i i classified her as a friend and thought i could trust her and she invited me into um you know her home or her her mother's home in um you know a festive time so you know not only has that happened but i think you know moving forward every christmas now um, you know, it's such a sort of, I guess, a, a big holiday. It's always going to be there. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, now, but with the with the right people, with the right okay. people. I mean, I used to get abused on my birthday, but with the right yeah. people, uh, you could celebrate all that being in the rear view. It doesn't mm. have to haunt you like the three ghosts of Marlowe every <laughs> single Christmas, right? It it can't be. <laughs> You could look around and say, give thanks for... But that's the funny thing, right? So this woman who ran the community center, she had a son who married a woman who did this. Right. Now, with with regards to... uh, You may or may not know this, and maybe other people don't, but you said it was an eerily similar situation. Was it the case that he also was reported to have or accused of drugging the woman in his teens? Um, I think she, or the, the mother, um, her husband's mother said that, um, there was a a party and yeah, she had got, you know, drunk to the point that she wasn't coherent. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so the fact that you were, um, uh, ill, unwell, incapacitated, and so on would be a similar enough situation that putting you in the room with this guy is. Oh man, I don't know. Man, yeah. that's just appalling. I mean, I, I don't know. In a free society, to me, I'd be like, "Well, yeah, you're liable now too, lady." If you knew yeah. this history, if you knew this history, and you put someone into this situation, 
uh, you're in serious trouble now too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so sorry. God, that's appalling. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So how can I best help you in the right. present? I, um, I guess moving forward, I, um, yeah, like I'm actively, you know, um, trying to live a positive life and, um, yeah, sort of turn, turn some things around. This guy, um, you know, I really am committed to, to trying to make this relationship work. I know it takes, you know, two to sort of um, make things work, but just wanted to get your sort of insight. I guess you've given me a bit of, um, you know, your input regarding he and I and, and the sort of the situation with his ex-partner. Um, but I... I really sort of guess this is where I get lost with my own thoughts. Um, I'd like to make this relationship work with him, um, but at the same But you've got four no, years of it not working. Yeah, right, right. Right, so if you've got four years of it not working, and I assume you've been trying to make it work for four years, right? Right. My big question is this, my friend. Yeah. Why yes. were you not with your boyfriend over Christmas? Yes, he was in another state visiting his son and, um, yeah, that's, you know, he says to me that's something that he, um, you know, has, he struggles with. Um, Why were you not with your boyfriend while he was visiting his son? Yeah, that's another. Why yeah. are you with relative strangers right. over Christmas when you've been in a four-year relationship with the man? Right. Yeah. Do you see all the bad things that have to happen for this terrible thing to happen? Right. Yes. Right. So why is it because you can't be around his son? I um <clears throat> yeah, I again with you know him sort of being a bit apprehensive about you know bringing and which is fair enough like I don't think he wants to um, you know, introduce unstable people into his son's life. He's already done, you know, the wrong thing by, you know, bringing him into a broken sort of family. Um, he's apprehensive about, you know, um, involving. Okay, sorry, sorry, you're, I, I get, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want to make sure we use our remaining time as efficiently as possible. Right, sorry, so if yeah. I were to ask him about you and say, well, what, in, in what way would she be too unstable to bring around your son, what would he say? Just with, um, yeah, like the relationship that I had with my ex-partner and to that sort of level, um, you know, going back to, to somebody like that. Um, okay, you were the, 17, 17, right? Yeah. I guess some of the sort of I mean, there's got to be some statute of limitations, right? Is yeah. he going to blame you for getting drunk and high at 11? Come on. Mm. There's got to be some statute of limitations here, right? Right. I don't know that that's necessarily... I don't know that that's necessarily the case, right? At the age of 28, 11 years after the decision you made while you were still underage. Yeah. And and I really... I got to tell you, I really despise 
I just be straight up with you. I'm not this may be nothing to do with being objective. I really despise the guys who say, Oh yeah, no, you're stable enough to have sex with, but you're just not stable enough to bring around my son. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that at all. I'm yeah. not it's very insulting, I think. Yeah, that's true. I would imagine my my instinct, which is not mm-hmm. true, not valid, not factual, I'm just telling you my instinct, is that it doesn't have anything to do with what you decided when you were 17, 11 years ago, long before you met him. Right. He's afraid of his ex. And he doesn't want her causing trouble because she's meeting the new girlfriend, or the not-so-new-girlfriend, so to speak, right? Right. Has there been any indication of that? Is she, is she the volatile one? Is she the aggressive one? Is she punchy? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure if she's punchy, but... Um, I don't mean physically. You know, I just mean like uh, volatile, reactive, yeah. triggered kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, he did open up to me um, a little while ago. You know, he wasn't sure that she was, um, you know, mentally um, coping with, you know, raising um, the son, you know, even though she was getting adequate money um, and support off of him. Um, my well, is, 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 are they in a different, different – is he far state. away from his son? Yeah. He's in a different state. Yeah, he's in the so same why, state. So why is he so far know. away from his son? Uh, his job. Yeah, his, his job. No, no, that's not an answer. I mean, you get a new job, you transfer, you start your own business um, to be near your son, right? Right. Because he cares a lot about his son, right? To the point where he's dumping you on relative strangers over Christmas, right? So right. why is he so far from? I'm just trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out the positives to this guy, right? I get that he's good looking. I guess he's smart. He likes this show, which I appreciate, and I, you know, I'm not yeah. going to throw that out completely. But I got to judge him empirically rather than by relationships, right? So, yeah. He's, I guess how, he's, how often? Um, how often does he see his son? Uh Last year, he didn't get to see him much at all. Um, <clears throat> this year, he... Didn't um, get to? Yeah. Oh, oh, lady, you were it. talking to the wrong guy about that, using oh. that phraseology. Right, right. Didn't get to? Why? Was he kidnapped? <laughs> Just with the, the COVID restrictions. Um, you know, oh, yeah, sorry. Quarantine. You know what? That, 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 but I think, I, isn't there some kind of exception for being the actual biological father, I would assume, right? Yeah, there's still the quarantine. Um, oh, if you go yeah, to a different state, you have to quarantine? For, for 14 days, um, yeah, into the state, and then 14 days when you come out, so. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, no, I mean, I can see that. I, I, I pretty conditionally withdraw the earlier objection, but at least, <laughs> at least I'm sure that he's on, you know, Skype and whatever, like, chatting as much as he can. Right. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Sorry. For some reason, I completely forgot about the pandemic. Whoops. Whoopsie. Whoopsie. Bad me. Bad me. Minus one for me. That's fair. All right. All right. Sorry, I'm still hopefully in the plus, but minus one definitely for that. So, okay. Definitely in the plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But he was able to travel for Christmas then, right? Were the restrictions lifted or? Uh, I think by then, yes, they had been lifted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there. Yeah, um, 
sorry, I've, I forgot the question. No, no, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I mean, I'm, I will at some point look up this and find out when the two-week quarantine for interstate travel in Australia was set up because I don't think it was the whole – it certainly wasn't the whole year last year. But uh, all right. right. So um, so he, he travels, but he doesn't want to bring – now, is, is his ex in any kind of new relationship? Not that I, I've, you know, again, I've tried to ask, um, you know, is she sort of dating? Is she, has, has anyone else in her, in her life? And, um, yeah, he seemed a bit sort of touch and go with, you know, talking about those sorts of things, which I guess leads into my, um, counselor. She says, you know, if you've been in his life for that long and he hasn't introduced you to his son or, um, you know, he's apprehensive about introducing you to his his ex. Then, you know, is there something like what's going on there? Is there, you know, is she under the impression that they're together, and um, or, or is know, she under she... the impression that he's still single? Right, right. Because I mean, when when it comes to the politics of your exes, you know, the the glorious thing about not having kids with someone is that when you break up, you don't have to give a rat's ass about each other anymore. Yeah. Right. But the problem is, of course, if you have a kid with someone. It's very difficult for that person if they're not dating and you you are right because it feels like she, like you're moving on and and you're getting your life getting together and you're still attractive and they can't land someone and it's you know it's really rough. But he has said that that um anything positive in his life she will try and destroy. Oh, so she is punchy. Yeah. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah, I guess just trying to navigate through that. Um, you know, how much longer? You know, do you sort of do you put on it? Um, well, it, you know, if he's committed to you, if he wants to be with you for life, then the longer he keeps you from his son, the more awkward your relationship is going to be, right? Yeah, that's true. Okay, so listen, is this guy the best you can do? Is this life this these complications, right? Is this the best yeah. you can do? Now, listen. No. Maybe he's got like amazing qualities that make yes. up for these complications. But, you know, I've, I've been pretty frank about my opinion of men dating single moms. Yes, definitely. And this is slightly different because I guess he has only intermittent custody or barely any custody, I guess, with the, with the restrictions. Mm. Yeah. So it's a little different, but that's not going to last forever. And you are dating him. You're dating a son who's... You know, if if you're if you're like say the son comes over later, I mean, if if you're not in in the kid's life before he's five, you can really never be any kind of authority figure. It's just the way right. it seems to work out, right? So that's yeah, messy and complicated. And then you've got step siblings, right? And and then you're going to have in you if you in this guy have kids together, then you've got the son from his first well, it wasn't even a marriage, just some relationship, uh, who's going to be raised by a punchy dysfunctional woman and who you know who likes to destroy every good thing that comes into her the, fa the father of her son's life right uh that's you know and then this this kid is gonna she's gonna send the kid in as a weapon right to your family i assume right, right. if she's this kind of person right is this the best you can do no definitely not right now that's something, if you have a belief that it's not the best you can do, that doesn't necessarily mean like break up now or anything like that, but it's something you have to, you have to really work through, right? 
Because, the, the, I mean, to me, the relationships are la- that last are the ones that's like, yeah, that's the best I could do. You know, my wife, yeah, I can't do any better. I can't, like, I couldn't, I couldn't invent anyone any better. <laughs> uh, you know, give me some yeah. science lab and, you know, like I couldn't, <laughs> right? And uh, she can't do better than me. So I'm a great husband and a great dad and all a great friend. So we can't do better than each other. So there's no competition. Right. Right. I mean, I'm a decent looking guy with some resources. Uh, I, I could theoretically go start a new family. It's like, no, but I can't do better. I can't do better. I can't do better. So there's no upgrade. So with this level, and again, you know, he may be like, he's done a lot of therapy and he's worked things out and he's got these complications, but he's such a great guy. And, you know, maybe it can make up for it. Right. But, um, it sounds like there's a lot of fog there and it's been four years and no commitment right? and no commitment. And I don't see empirically speaking, I don't see what the plan is to have you in his life. Because if you're saying, well, you can't meet my son, it's because, well, I don't want my son to get bonded with someone who's not going to be around. So he's kind of planning for you not to be around, hmm. if that makes sense. Definitely, yeah. So yeah. after four years, come on. I'm not trying to measure everything by me, but, you know, I was committed after, I mean, I, was, I asked my wife to marry me after four months. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, thank you, Steph. Now, the other thing, too, is that there's the additional complication of, I assume, he feels some guilt over what happened to you at Christmas. Yes. Because you weren't with your boyfriend of four years, which is, you know, kind of common law married, right? You weren't with your common law husband after four years on Christmas and this happened. Now, it's not his direct fault, but, you know, there's dominoes in life, and everybody gets that. There are dominoes. So the fact that he would not introduce you. And here's the thing, too. Like, he could have, you could have traveled with him and simply not met his son. Although, I guess, did he stay over with his ex? Is that right? Well, that's another thing that, um, you know, he says that he doesn't. But, yeah, it's, it's not completely clear to me. It's in a different state, so I, I you know, I can't say for sure. Oh, that's the thing with cell phones. So you never know where the hell anyone is, right? Yeah. Like, you know, it used to be you just phone. If he picked up the phone at his ex's house, he's there, right? But he picks up his cell, he could be anywhere, right? Because, right. no, if he'd have said, listen, I want to go visit my son for Christmas. Um, you know, we'll be there. I'll be there for Christmas dinner. I'll come home. You and I can have Christmas Eve together. Uh, I'll go over opening presents uh, in the morning, and then you and I can spend the rest of Christmas Day together, right? But if he's staying over, then he can't do that, right? Right, yeah. 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 And the fact that you're not clear on that means that uh, it's. I mean, yeah. How did he explain it to you that that you weren't coming for Christmas? It just, yeah, um, yeah. It's not really explained those sorts of things. Like something cool, you know, always seem to come up and. Um, you know, even when he goes away, like to see his boy, something will come up, and you know, it just sort of is just timed so well that you know I might not speak to him for a couple of days, and um, or if I do it, you know, he's he might always 
be in his vehicle when we're talking or I guess there's, you know, things pointing to, to questionable doubt, um, you know, regarding the situation. But You mean like where he's staying when he's out there? Right, yeah. yeah. Well, do you have access to his visa bills? No. Oh, okay. Because well, if you did, you'd just look and see if there was a hotel charge for when he was out there. Right. Or you could ask him, say, well, did you stay at a hotel when you were out there? Yeah, yeah. Right. Or before he goes, you would say, which hotel are you staying at, right? And he'll say Hotel ABC. And then when he's out there, you call Hotel ABC and you'd say, I'd like to be forward to so-and-so, right? And if they say, well, we don't have a so-and-so here, uh, busted, right? Right. Yeah, thanks. It seems a bit dodgy and vague. Yeah, I mean, from what you're saying. (laughs) That's not good. Yeah. That's not good. It's true. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, as you know, I, I mean, it would be silly for me to tell you what to do. I can't tell you what to do. I mean, it's your life and you have to own your decisions. But um, uh, I'm trying to so if I were in your shoes, I would say sit down with the guy and say, okay, it's been four years, dude. Okay, four years. I've not met your son. I've not met your ex. Yeah. I'm not part of this family at all. And while it's not your fault, the fact that we weren't together at Christmas led to some pretty, I mean, absolutely terrible stuff for me. And, yeah, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying that if I had a boyfriend that I could spend Christmas with, that wouldn't have happened, right? Again, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying that I'm looking at my sort of own life and and decisions and security and all. So things are just kind of bumping along. And, you know, I can't do that in my late 20s. I can't. I mean, I want to have a family and I want a husband who's committed to me. And, you know, it'd be nice to, you know, you say that I'm overcomplicated, but your life is pretty complicated. I mean, to be frank, right? You met me a month after you had unprotected sex with your ex, which resulted in a child. And uh, that's that's complicated, right? Now, I can accept your complications. If you can't accept my complications, you just got to tell me. Because, hmm. you know, it's been four years. I'm not crazier now than I was four years ago. I'm saner, I hope, I think. You know, yeah. like there's this great guy on the internet you introduced me to. He's helping me, you know, think more clearly and, you know, all yeah. kinds of good stuff. So I'm not crazier now than I was four years ago, but I'm clearly not stable enough for you to commit to. So uh, you got to tell me what, like, you got to tell me what the bar is I got to get over here. Now, I may choose right. to walk away from that bar and say, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. You know, if I have to have, uh, I don't know, the, the brain of Albert Einstein and the body of Kate Upton, like maybe that's a bit of a high standard and, you know, I'll walk away from that because that's kind of deranged. But, you know, you, we're just kind of bumping along here. You got to tell me like, okay, I'm not enough to commit to yet. What's missing objectively? And if it's like, well, I'm just looking for more stability. It's like, I don't know what that means and neither do you. Hmm. Right? Because it's not a standard, right? Yeah. You know, it's like if, if you're in a negotiation in the business world, and you want to raise, and they say, well, what do you want? I "I want more money. That's not, (laughs) you know, what do you want? More. (laughs) More responsibility, more money, more stuff, more things, more abstracts, more ishness, right? (laughs) That's not a negotiation, right? So if he says he wants more stability, it's like, like, I don't know what that means, and frankly, neither do you. So what does it mean? What would it look like? What are the tangible, measurable 
things that I can achieve that will have you commit to me. Hmm. Right? Because if somebody says you're not enough, the question is, what's enough? Right. Right? Somebody says, I can't give you a raise until you take this training course. You take the training course. Or don't, or whatever, right? But at least you know what the standard is, right? Yes. What's the standard? What do you have to show or achieve or be for him to commit to you? And the fact that it's four years in and neither of you seem to have a freaking clue <laughs> kind of important, I would say. Just cross this goal line and we'll be together. What's the goal line? <laughs> uh, just keep running, I'll tell you. When... Yeah. The time is right. In the fullness of time, in the fruition of experience. Uh, right? It's like you're trapped in this infinite red tape of moving goalposts, right? Yeah. How do you know when you're enough for him to commit to? And if the answer after four years, don't know, I'm not a fan. Mm -hmm. Right? Am I wrong? Am I wrong? Tell me if I'm wrong. I, I, so I can't yeah. see you, so I don't know if you're like making <laughs> gag motions with your face. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I can't see you, so uh, tell me where I am. Yeah. <laughs> Bang on the money, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And also, look, it's pretty humiliating for someone to say, I can't introduce you to my son. Right. Yeah. I mean, definitely. That's, pretty, that's pretty bad, right? Yeah. I'll have sex with you, but I won't introduce you to my son because instability. Like, <laughs> uh, that's so I'm good for sex, just not for your son. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying it's only sex. I mean, I'm sure there's much more to it, but you, you see, what, you see what I'm saying, right? Yes. Because mm -hmm. in in relationships, this is general principle. In relationships. It's going to sound bad, but I'll, I'll explain it. So in relationships, you have to take sex out of the equation. Mm -hmm. You have to take sex out of the equation. You just have to. Now, that doesn't mean that you should expect a relationship that with, without sex. No, of course not. But you, you know, in the beginning, you know, you, there's a lot of sex and, and that's great. But you know what then happens? Uh, you, you get kids and, you know, if you're homeschooling, uh, that's a whole lot of times in the day. You know what you're not doing? <laughs> yeah. Having sex. <laughs> in fact, if yeah. you have a kid or kids and you kiss your wife, what happens? They're like, ew! Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, that ew is where you came from, all right? So stop complaining. <laughs> right? But no, seriously, there's a whole lot of not having sex. Right. And so if if the relationship is like based on sex or sexiness and so on which again it's part of your relationship and then you know maybe one of you gets sick for a while or maybe you just get older or you know whatever who knows right maybe there's a lot of stress in your life from various things right in which case yeah you know i mean if you're going to center this the relationship around sex if you don't like each other outside of the sex thing or or the sex thing is a major part of it then what happens when your sex life diminishes over time. Yeah. You know, a woman who's had an episiotomy and is breastfeeding is not at peak sexual <laughs> life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I guess take the sex away and, um, you know. The, Do you like each um, other? Yeah. Would you be yeah. friends? Would you like each other? Would you have this guy in your life? Yeah. 
if he was gay or if he just didn't, if he was in a relationship, not that you'd be friends with the guy. I mean, you can't really, if you're in a relationship, you can't be really sing, friends with a single attractive woman. It's not really, mm. but, but you know what I mean? Like if, if this guy was just unavailable or if he was impotent or like if there was no sexual, what they call frisson, sexual friction, sexual excitement, if there was not a lot of looking together for the, you know, cause like long distance relationship are just like weekend bang-a-thongs with very little reality, right? Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, if there was no sex, right? Yeah, I um, I think, you know, before having a relationship with him, I could definitely do that. But now I couldn't see myself just being friends with this person. No. You know too much, right? <laughs> yeah. So sex can never be the glue that holds a relationship together. Right. Sex can never be the glue that holds the relationship together. Right. You ever have those, you go to a restaurant, you order some fancy cheesecake and it comes with that raspberry ripple on the side? Um, not really, but yes. Yeah, well, whatever it comes, like maybe there's a couple of chocolate shavings on the side. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. there's the dessert and then there's some frou-frou French stuff on the side, right? <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So, and I'm sorry for the food metaphors, but I haven't had anything to eat today, so I'm getting a little peckish, but... Yeah. So you order some cheesecake and it comes with some drizzly stuff on the side, right? Right. Okay, so let's say you order some dessert and all you get is a couple of squirts of drizzly <laughs> stuff, right? Are you like, yeah. that's great. <laughs> right? Now, if you get the dessert without the drizzly stuff, it feels a bit barren. You know, something's right. missing. Yeah. But, so sex is the drizzly stuff. Sorry, this is like the worst <laughs> analogy I think I've come up with in the entire history. It's the squirty <laughs> drizzly stuff on the side. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. It's like, because I know you went through some trauma recently, but you know, it's not the end of the world to laugh, right? But yeah, sex is the drizzly stuff on the side and the relationship is the dessert, right? And if you just get the, the drizzly stuff on the side, it doesn't feel like much of a, a meal, right? Yeah. And so yeah. that's my sort of question around you is that, okay, so take the sexual stuff out of it and take the yearning for permanence out of it because that's not happening. You know, if, yeah. if after four years something's not happened, guess what, you know? It's not mm. happening. Right. Not without some major change, right? Like if you've got a friend who's like, yeah, I've been trying to get an acting job for four years straight. I go to every audition known to man. I've learned accents. I've learned sword fighting. I've learned how to gain weight like Russell Crowe to the point where the moon orbits me. <laughs> and you're like, hey, you actually get an acting job? No. What are you going to say to that friend? Give it up. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. I mean, this is this is not good, right? Right. But no, the the people who take my photos and the people who drive me around, they all say I should keep going, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but they're profiting from it, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And he right now, unfortunately, is kind of profiting from this relationship. He gets sex. He gets variety. He gets a great companion. He gets a witty, intelligent woman. And he doesn't have to commit. He doesn't have to anger his ex. He doesn't have mm -hmm. the complications of bringing... A woman into his son's life and his wife's oh his ex's life. I don't know what the hell to call her these days. Jesus, things are so confusing yeah. out there yeah. because we don't have Sharia yet, sadly. But yeah, so he he's how is this a negative for him? Right. Again, it's lacking compassion to you and your life and your circumstances and your situation. But how just in terms of purely selfish behavior on his part, how is this not working for him? Yes. You get sex, companionship, no complications, no overlaps, and you're not demanding commitment, right? 
Right. Yeah. So things are just bumping along for him. And he's got all the time in the world. He can have a new family in 20 years if he wants. You can't. Yep. So this is part of what is my concern, is that I'm not sure that he's thinking, like, you've been exploited by men in the past. And I'm just not sure how much. And listen, if he wants to call in, I'm happy to hear from him, right? Because I'm just going off the data you're giving me, right? Right, yeah. But I believe you. You have a very pleasant voice. I believe you. That's all it takes for me. But... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, um, uh, but sorry. sorry, just because um, again, you can't see me. So you can't see the wink. But I, I guess my question is how much is he focusing on what's the best thing for you? Right. I see what he's getting out of it. I don't know what you're getting out of it other than hope. And, you know, I'm sure the sex is fine and all that, which is, you know, not unimportant, but I'm not sure how this works in your life arc at all. And maybe he should care. Maybe. He should care. Sorry, if it's not working for your life arc, he should be like, you know what? I can't give you what you need right now. I can't. Or at least I'm choosing not to. I'm too scared of my ex. She's really scary. She could drag me through the courts. Uh, and, you know, by the way, you know, if he has been lying, you know, I've kind of lied and dangled. I, I kind of keep her at peace by dangling some hope that maybe we'll be together at some point. Um, and so this is why I can't bring you around. And so I've I've really been just manipulating the hell out of everyone, not being honest with anyone. Uh, I'm, you know, I just, she's got too much power. She's too scary. Uh, so this is not working for you. I, I can't, I can't see how I'm able to give you what you'd want to need. You want a, a, a husband, you want a father for your children. You want a committed monogamistic pair, pair bonded marital relationship. I'm too chicken. I'm too bullied. I'm too scared. I'm too whatever. It doesn't really matter. And I can't give you what you need right now. And it's tearing me up. It's tearing me up what happened to you. On Christmas Eve, it's tearing up that you've got four years into this relationship, and I'm no closer to committing to you than I was at the beginning. And much though I care about you, and I love you, and and we're great together in many ways, I have to, have to, have to do the right thing, because I know you've been exploited by men in the past. I can't do that. I care too much for you. I cannot repeat, even to 1% of a degree, what's happened in the past with you. I can't do it. And, And you are a great woman. You deserve to be with a guy who can give you what you need. I'm not that guy, and it may be my failing, it may be my fault, it may be the fault of the legal system, it doesn't really matter. But I did choose to have unprotected sex with the ex, and I am not committing to you. I'm not bringing you around my son. That's unfair to you, and it's humiliating for you, and I don't want you to feel humiliated. That's not right. The fact is that I'm terrified of my ex, and I, I, you know, she sees this, you know, you're like 10 times more attractive than she is. She sees me with this hot young thing, and I'm going to, like, thermonuclear explosion is going to go off in my life and it's not fair it's not fair to you and i it breaks my heart i you know and it's my own failing maybe a hundred but i just you know i care too much for you to have you trundle on this way and not get what you want out of life because i can't i can't do it i can't give it to you and i'm i'm so sorry Mm. that's a stand-up guy right i mean four years too late but it's a stand-up guy Right. Now, on the other hand, you could have said, um, oh, we're a couple of weeks into this relationship and your ex is pregnant. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. Now, in hindsight, yeah, probably right. Mm. Do you think? Definitely, yeah. Right. So that's, I mean, that's a red flag. Right. I mean, that's literally a, a red flag coming out of a woman's body. 
Yeah. That's hard to miss. That's a red flag that comes with a cowboy limp, right? So, <laughs> um, and that's just a thing for the future, right? Which is, you know, yeah, he's a good-looking guy, but, you know, your mom was a good-looking woman. Didn't make her a good person, right? In fact, probably yeah. contributed to her being a bad person. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I, I was on a, as I've mentioned before, I was on a first date with a woman and she's like, oh, yeah, my ex uh, ran up $17,000 on my credit cards. I'm like, well, that's good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll pay for the coffee because I know you're broke, I guess, right? But uh, that's, you know, good luck with that. All right, the woman who's like, it comes on a date with me and then mentions she has a husband. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay, good luck with all that. You're yeah. lying, <laughs> whatever, right? So. Yeah. Like these, these are red flags. You just you got to be you got to be ruthless. Which and being ruthless simply means this: I understand my value. Uh, yeah. You know, like there were there were, I ain't gonna brag, but there were some women who didn't want to go out with me, right? And I, basically, I was like, really? <laughs> who are you looking for? Are you looking yeah. for someone smarter or or wiser or I don't know, better looking or, you know, more ambitious or more educated. Like, come on, who were you holding out for? <laughs> I mean, that was my sort of basic position. Now, I mean, I was a bit more volatile, or a lot more volatile when I was younger. So I, I get all of that, right? But I think I turned out pretty well. And yeah. so, you know, you can listen to shows with my daughter to see what kind of dad I am and, and all of that. Yeah. So I, I was like, okay, so you don't want to come out for me and... Yeah, good luck with that, right? And and it never worked out with the guys they went out with instead. And anyway, so and what I'm saying for that is not to sort of praise myself. I happen to just have I just happen to be born with a lot of gifts that that are, you know, some some I've done well with and some were just unearned. But you gotta have this thing. It's like, yeah, I'm all that and a six pack, right? I'm all that and a, a buffet. And and just be like choosiness or pickiness is a mark of an accurate view of your own value. Now, you came from a terrible childhood, and you've done really well. You've done really well. Like, nobody would look at your first 17 years and say, oh, yeah, she's going to end up as a seasoned business professional, right? Yeah. It would have been like, next stop, jail. <laughs> yeah. For matricide, <laughs> and actually, no, matricide, no jury would convict you. They'd probably dig her up and do it again, right? But... But you've done rem really, really well. Listen, the shit that happened last year. Yeah. Why, the Christmas stuff, the rape. Unbelievably bad luck. Like, mind-bogglingly bad luck. Like, okay, a couple of warning flags maybe, but nothing like this, right? This was just unbelievably bad luck. You know, like that thing from Hamlet, I, I, I've shot an arrow over a house and accidentally hit my brother. Like, that's one in a zillion bad luck. It has, and luck is just, the reason we call it luck is it's nothing to do with you, right? Right, there was this, this there was no warning signs. You got sick over Christmas and you, you, you slept and, and you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't do anything. And you trusted a friend who was not clearly insane or obviously insane. Unbelievable bad luck. Right now, this doesn't mean it's not agonizing and painful, but I hope it doesn't stick to you. You know, like the family I was born into and the family you were born into, just unbelievably bad luck. Right. And you had it worse than me. 
you had it worse than me. And you've done better than me at your age. If that's in that this is why I'm sort of in awe of what you've achieved. Right? You had it worse than me, if there's any metric that you want to judge by, and you you're doing better than me at the age of twenty-eight. So unbelievably bad luck. Lightning bolt out of a clear blue sky. You know, if a tree just falls on your car while you're driving, you're not a bad driver. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just this is pretty bad luck, right? Like when I got sick a couple of years ago, it wasn't like I have an unhealthy lifestyle, just bad luck, just unbelievably bad luck, right? And it doesn't stick to you morally. It doesn't stick like, right? You just, you know, like you're sleeping in a hotel and the fan falls on you, gives you a concussion. That's unbelievably bad luck. It wasn't like you did something wrong, right? So, if you look at yourself and you say, I'm smart, I'm attractive, I'm a survivor, I'm verbally skilled, I'm doing therapy, I've got self-knowledge, I'm all that and a free kangaroo. Sorry, I didn't know what you would say in Australia <laughs> for, for this kind of stuff, right? Like, more than a woman, what is that, a woman in a six-pack? I don't know, but but you're all that and... big gift card to Cartier's or I don't know, I don't know right yeah but you're all that and more right and so when you're all that and more you can be haughty you can be haughty because you should be in demand right and anybody who can't see the value in you it's just Dunning Kruger like it takes a person of quality to recognize a person of quality right yeah. right I mean my wife and I are both great people great husbands great wives, great parents, great friends, and we were both single in our 30s, right? And it's because it takes quality to see quality. So yeah, Mm -hmm. if you've got high quality in in you and you recognize that in yourself, a lot of people will reject you and because they simply cannot see the quality or they sense it and have to get away from it because it makes them feel bad or look bad. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. So yeah, be haughty as shit, lady. (laughs) Like, be aristocratic, okay. be superior, be an ubermensch, be whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But be be haughty as hell. Okay. You know, because there's a guy out there who's going to recognize you the moment you recognize yourself. Right. And as long as you're trundled in with this guy who won't commit, that guy's going to look at you and say, oh, well, she obviously doesn't think that highly of herself. Hmm. Yeah. That's true. Because she's not demanding a commitment from this guy. She's not saying, look, if you can't see the quality of who I am, look, I'm sorry. Like, I <laughs> I can't explain it to you because she's probably not smart enough to follow. <laughs> right? You, you and I look at a blackboard full of physics equations. I don't know if they're good or bad. I don't even know if the physics equations could be Aramaic for all I know. <laughs> right? I'm not a math guy. I can't judge yeah. that. Just a bunch of squiggles to me. But physicists, and the better the physicists you are, the more you can see whether it's good or bad. Right. So you got to just have that spring in your step and that I'm all that and more. And I will not settle. Right. Because if you don't settle, you never have to. If you won't settle, you never have to. 
Thank you so much, Steph. Yeah. Yeah. So you got the right, you got every right to go to this guy and say, look, if you don't know the treasure you've got in me, you're a fool, basically, or you're just low quality yourself. And I'm, I'm done rating myself lower. Right. If I'm not good enough to introduce to your son, keep your hands off me. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And that kind of confidence, listen, I'm not trying to pump you up here, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, and you can fly, you know, and you're an astronaut, <laughs> right? I'm not. I mean, look, you, you've got insight, you've got intelligence, you've got sensitivity, and you've made some bad choices in your life. Some of them were obvious, like the guy who punched you, but you were a kid. You were literally yeah. underage, right? Some, like you end up spending Christmas with a friend who's not got massive warning signs, and you get roofied and raped, that's just terrible luck. That's not you making some terrible decision, right? Like, that's not you knowing the history of this guy and then saying, sure, let's stay in the same room overnight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Everybody yeah. lied to you. They hid from you. Yeah. Right? So that's just terrible luck. That doesn't stick to you like it's some bad thing you did or something that you brought on yourself. That's just unbelievably bad luck. You know, that's like you drive into the tire, bounces through the windshield because it came off a truck going the opposite way, right? It's just really bad luck. It's not you being a bad driver, right? So if you have that kind of legitimate confidence, because confidence is the bill you pay to yourself when you've earned it, right? It's the, it's the money you, you pay when you've earned it, right? I mean, if, if you order something and you, 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 you get it and you keep it, you pay the bill. Right, yeah. And if you've done, if you've gotten out of bad situations, you haven't reproduced your mom's lifestyle, you haven't become an alcoholic or a drug addict or a criminal, you've been a responsible employee and you're in a relationship with this four-year four -year relationship is infinitely more functional than anything your mother ever experienced, right? So you've, you've stepped up, you've moved up, right? This guy's not abusive. He might be a little foggy, he might be a little exploitive, but he's not abusive, right? Right. Right? 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 <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay, yes, sorry, yes, just checking. Yes. You're like, <laughs> Wait, tell me. Yes. Like, but just, like, so you've, you've, you've climbed a staircase that your mother never even knew existed or only knew existed instinctively enough to try and scare you away from it, right? Right. So you've you got to pay the bill to yourself. The bill to yourself when you've achieved as much as you have from where you started is, yeah, self-confidence and being a treasure, a rare treasure. A rare treasure. If this guy can't see it, if he's got a block to it, if he's got a barrier to it, it's his loss. It's his loss. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I think you've earned it. And you got to pay that bill. Yeah. Or you you got to pay the bill to yourself to say, oh, no, I'm not going to settle for less. Yeah. I mean, you saw the extreme end of your mom settling for less, right? <laughs> you don't want to be anywhere on that side of the equation, right? Definitely not. No, not at all. Did we get to a useful mm. place? Is this... Definitely, yeah. I, um, I hope I can listen back to this if it was recorded. I, um, yeah, um, if not, I've just... Oh, no, you can. So yeah, much. no, these are... Yeah. These are 
yeah. more shows. So yeah, yeah. I will send yeah. you the recording for sure. Will you keep yeah. me posted about how it's going? Of course, I'll also um, send you a picture of a swag. <laughs> oh yeah, please, and, please uh, do. Yeah. Um, and also, actually, no, don't. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to see where this deed right. was committed, right? Right. Because I, I don't want right. the association. But I, 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 okay. I will. I'm sure I will see see it at some point in my life, uh, something like it. Um, last question. I'm sure you know. I'm, I just do. You, you said that you're spending money on therapy and all of that. I'm sure. You, do you need any any additional cash for therapy? Have you got enough to to keep funding that? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I um I have a a Bitcoin wallet. I've actually been trying to work out how to how to donate that. So I'll get in touch with Cal after the show and um yeah um work out how to how to transfer some Bitcoin. So absolutely not. I thoroughly appreciate the offer though. Um and I'll I'll I was checking. Sort of I was checking because here's the thing too. Like all the people who were like, oh, Steph's a cult leader. He's a bad guy. He's a this. He's a that. It's like yeah, all right. So you didn't listen to Bitcoin then, did you? <laughs> right. No, you're lost, man. Those are some very expensive, uh, very expensive words to to say. Um, if you you know trashed me for some nonsense that was made up by by bad people, it's like I hope people know that uh, you know you, you you took what you want and then it cost you more than you can probably imagine. So anyway, all right. Well, listen, I appreciate the call. I'll send you the recording, and uh, yeah, do do keep me posted about how things go. And yeah, if if the dude wants to call in, uh, I would be happy to chat with him as well. Definitely. Um, I, I'm sorry you got deplatformed as well. I've, um, yeah, it hasn't stopped me following you or, um, you know, finding you on LinkedIn. And, and See? Treasure! Also, That's um, what I'm yeah. telling you. Yeah. You're a treasure. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. And I appreciate that as well, although I think in some ways it was for the best. So, all right. Well, take care. Yeah. I'm going to go have some yeah. drizzle on the side. I don't know. Some food. <laughs> all right. Thanks for the call, Thank Ate, and I look forward to hearing. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.